and I, I got to start with this, Rob. I was not planning on doing <laughs> this. I uh, was not planning on doing this at all. Uh-oh. Last night, um, Anne has been wanting to watch Tom and Jerry. And I remember I saw a preview for it. Uh, so, some people invited me over to Warner Brothers' lot. And this was a while ago. This is just before the pandemic. And I got to go to the Warner Brothers lot and I got to watch this little preview of Tom and Jerry of uh, where the, I don't think it was finished yet. And I, it didn't look good to me. Like it, it didn't it didn't interest me. You know, I was not I felt like from the little preview they showed me that I was not the top, you know, the target demographic or whatever. But my wife, Anne, really wanted to watch it. So last night. Uh, after Ann and I ran some errands, uh, we we got home. I invited our buddy, uh, my buddy Ryan, over because he was kind of interested in watching it too. So we sat down, loaded up HBO Max, and watched Tom and Jerry. It's hard not to delve into hyperbole about just how bad this movie is. Oh, it's truly, truly awful. It is truly a terrible, terrible movie. And I I was just watching it thinking, I don't know how this could get any worse. I just don't get how this, I don't understand how this could possibly be any worse than it actually is. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Now, I get it. I've heard from a bunch of people I've heard from a bunch of people say things like, well, John, you know, it's, it's made for kids. And, and I get that, but you know, that's not an excuse in today's day and age. You can make a movie that has a large part of its target at kids and still make it a good movie. Mm-hmm. And, and I get, yeah, like a ch- child watching a cat and a mouse smashing each other with hammers. Yeah. That's going to entertain a child. Absolutely. It will, but you can make something decent around it. I don't understand. Michael Pena is one of the best entertainers in the world. I think Michael Pena is is absolutely, overall, he can do drama, he can do action stuff, he can do comedy. I think he's amazing. I don't know how they lassoed him into being in this. I just don't know how they got him to be in this. It is really, really terrible. And I I thought maybe it was just me, but I, I don't know. Like, look, I'm not trying to dissuade anybody if you've been thinking, like, if you love Tom and Jerry and you've, been thinking it would be a kick for you to watch it i'm not going to try to dissuade anybody like if if you want to see it you go see it for yourself because you know the beautiful thing about film rob is subjectivity just because i had a certain experience with it doesn't mean somebody else may not have a great experience with it that's the beauty of film but wow i couldn't believe i couldn't believe this thing actually made it to product i don't know Uh, have you had any i can't you and i've never talked about tom and jerry have you had any interest in watching this uh you know I had a little, uh, but no one has said anything that has made me want to see it now. I have not heard good things. You know, I like Tom and Jerry growing up, but I'm like, boy, I really wish it was good. I want everything (laughs) to be good. And when you're combining live action, it's live action and animation, right? It's even harder. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I was especially kind of cheering for it because the, I like when they try to blend the live action with the animation. I mean, it very rarely ever works out good. The Garfield thing was terrible. The Smurfs thing didn't really work. I mean, it very very. I mean, there's Roger Rabbit, and I I I 
I don't know what else has <laughs> worked with that, that, that kind of classic animation stuff, but that is what it is. My question for you guys is, have you guys watched Tom and Jerry? And, and, and listen, if so, maybe you had a different experience and you really enjoyed it. I hope that you did. Maybe you had my experience and you absolutely hated it. What were your thoughts about Tom and Jerry? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, listen, one more thing off the top. And I'm going to warn you that this might be considered a little bit of a spoiler for Thor Love and Thunder. Now, this is the headlines on a, on a bunch of other sites, so you've probably seen this already, but I do want to give you a little bit of a warning that this would be a minor spoiler, perhaps, for what for something that's coming up in Thor Love and Thunder. All right. So, Rob, you remember back in uh, Thor Ragnarok, they had this incredible scene, this absolutely amazing scene that was so ridiculous that it was awesome where Thor comes back to Asgard and there's a drama. The Asgardian drama troupe is playing out the tale of Thor and Loki and Matt Damon played Loki and Luke Hemsworth played Thor and Sam Neill was the all father Odin and stuff like that. That was terrific. That was really great. Well, apparently they are doing the same thing again. Now, we suspected they were because the news came out that Matt Damon had flown to Australia to shoot some stuff for Thor 4, so we suspected it was. But apparently, Melissa McCarthy is now joining that drama troupe. And the Daily Mail put out some images. And in this image, you can see, first of all, there's Luke Hemsworth looking really jacked, by the way. I mean, Luke Hemsworth is looking really jacked. But beside him... Now you have Melissa McCarthy portraying Hela. So apparently they're going to be playing out the drama of the, the destruction of Asgard with Hela. <laughs> I think this is... Listen, I'm not the biggest fan in the world of, of uh, Melissa McCarthy. I, I mean, I, I respect her. I think she's, she's very good, whatever. But I'm not like a huge Melissa McCarthy fan. Right. But I'm telling you, as soon as I heard about this, I was like, oh, God, that's perfect. That is so yeah. perfect. This anyway, Rob, you had a chance to take a look at these images. What do you number one, the principle of going back to that gag of the drama troupe, and what do you think about the addition of Melissa McCarthy? Well, I you know, I I do like the idea of going back to that drama troupe. I wonder if that says anything about Loki, but um I think it's hilarious. I think that that it's very Taika Watiti, and I think that that's uh, dude, I love Ragnarok. I know a lot of people its tone bothered some people, but Ragnarok's I Ragnarok's awesome. I, Ragnarok I was, was awesome. I was there for it. I mean, I, I just, you know, both John Schnapp and I loved Ragnarok. And I I, I, I think this is going to be even more epic. And I can't wait to see what they do with it. But this looks like they're on the right, right track. Yeah, I, I love that they're going back to that gag. So anyway, guys, question is for you. And of course, Matt Damon's back as Loki. Sam Neill is back as, as uh, Odin. Question is, guys, have you had a chance to see these images? What do you think about it? I think this is golden, but maybe you guys don't. I don't know, whatever. Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's now move into our main topics today. And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campia Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic, issue, or story that you think should be a main topic on the show, head on over anytime 24-7 to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. Hit submit, and then maybe 
just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campius Show. With that down, let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by James Argenta, who writes, Hi, John. According to Deadline, actress Indira, and I'm sure I've always pronouncing her name, Indira Varma has joined the cast of Obi-Wan Kenobi. After her role of uh, Ilaria Sand, Pedro Pascal's wife on the show Game of Thrones, uh, do you think she will be a friend or foe to Kenobi? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, we keep getting robbed. There's one of my favorite words that I think I totally made up was the tangibilization. When theory starts to become reality and you can actually feel like you can reach out with your hands and touch it. It's a real thing now. And we finally, after ages of hearing about it, recently we've been finally starting to see some movement on this Obi-Wan series. And now the most recent is we've got a new cast and it's great. Uh, and Dear Varma has joined, this comes to us from Variety, has joined the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series at Disney+. Plus. Variety has confirmed. Varma currently stars in the ABC legal drama for life. She is also known for appearing as Ilaria Sand in HBO's Game of Thrones. Her other recent TV credits, uh, credits also include Patrick Melrose, Paranoid, and Carnival Row. On the film side, her most recent releases were the crime thriller Crisis and The One and Only Ivan, the latter of which debuted on Disney+. She is repped by Gersh, Principal Entertainment LA, and Dizelle in Breshford. Nobody cares about that. Anyway, this to me is, is really welcome news for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, it's just great to see more movement because with all these Star Wars things, we just heard about delay after delay after delay. It's really nice just to be able to see and talk about actual forward momentum being done. But secondly, while I have admittedly, uh, until not long ago, never even knew the actress's name, on Game of Thrones, she was one of the most powerful screen presences in that mm. show, like when she was on screen, she had this commanding presence that just drew, she, she just like, she was a force of nature on screen with that character she had to portray. And like all the way through with, with her story arc, she was just fabulous. And if she can bring some of that to a show like Obi-Wan, you know what I say, Rob, it is never a mistake to add talent. It's never a mistake to add talent. Nope. So two pieces of good news for me. Forward movement on Obi-Wan. Number two, they just added a hell of a talent from what I've seen. And I like this. Rob, you heard about this. What's your take? I think it's great. I mean, I I, I love her look. You know, she 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 looks like a badass. I loved her as Ilaria Sand. I thought she was terrific. Like you said, she has incredible screen presence. And, you know, what I really like is if they're casting this way, you're casting really interesting people that are also great actors. And I love that. You know, I, I, I think that there's an authenticity to her. I think she'll fit right in to the Obi-Wan series. I, I hope she's a badass. I hope she kills people with lightsabers or something. I don't know. Uh, either she's an Imperial officer or a disgraced Jedi or I, I don't know, but I am so there for this. I'm very excited, John. Very excited. 
Yeah, and again, when you can get performers that can carry that kind of screen presence, it's just always like, when you look at something like WandaVision right now, when you've got an actress like Elizabeth Olsen, who's not just like a, she's got powerful screen presence when she commands the camera, and it just adds to it, and I think adding somebody like this is going to go a long way in that. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this news? Obi-Wan's added a new cast member in another game. We've been talking a lot about Game of Thrones alumni getting a lot of roles lately, but this is the latest one. What do you guys think? Jump on down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Preston Bell. And Preston Bell writes... Hey, John and Rob, hope you're both having a terrific Tuesday. So it has just been decided that the San Diego Comic-Con will no longer be held in person in July, but but virtually yet again this year. However, there are plans to have an in-person convention in San Diego in November. How do you think this will really play out? And is there a chance Comic-Con International would decide to do an in-person convention come July? Thanks. All right, thanks for sending that in, man. And yeah, of course, last year, one of the many, many, many casualties of the pandemic, uh, as far as events and things like that goes, was Comic-Con. Now, if you remember, Rob, they held in to the last minute. I mean, they they tried as, as good as they could to try to be able to pull off a, an in-person live event. And of course, at the end of the day, cooler heads prevailed. They realized, no, we're not gonna be able to make this work. And at the last second, they kind of went virtual. One of the repercussions of that last second decision was the virtual event was, let's say, lackluster. There were a couple of really cool virtual panels, but they didn't really have a good amount of time to prep for a virtual event. They were still trying to pull off the live thing. They didn't have a lot of time to really promote the virtual event, really make it attractive to potential people who want to come and be a part of it and all that kind of stuff. So it seems like this year... They're saying, you know what, we we just know we're not probably going to be able to do it. So let's give ourselves a lot of time to announce well in advance, months in advance, that we're going to do this virtually and try to do it right. This comes to us from the folks at Variety who write, San Diego Comic-Con, the largest fan convention in North America, will not be held in person in 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic organizers announced on Monday. Instead, the event will be held virtually over three days from July 23rd to the 25th. In addition, Comic-Con International, the organization behind San Diego Comic-Con, is planning an in-person convention in San Diego to be held in November of 2021. While we are buoyed by the rollout of vaccines and the growing number of individuals being inoculated, it appears that July will still be too early to safely hold an in-person event of the magnitude of Comic-Con. And that, of course, came from a Comic-Con representative. Rob, there's two thoughts I have on this. Uh, number, well, there's th- actually three interesting thoughts. The first two lead into the third. Thought mm. number one, this is this is a good move. I mean, right now, I think having things like movie theaters and bowling alleys and restaurants open is a different thing than having 150,000 people crammed together like si- sardines in a convention center. It is fundamentally different. I miss comic-con last year man i missed it so bad but it is a horse of a different color and even if in july if, if the movie theaters are open that that's different because rob you and i keep talking about even in non-pandemic years 
most people end up getting the Comic-Con crud. And can you imagine what would happen if like 15 people with COVID were in that sardine canister? It could be bad. So I get it. I get why they're not doing it there. I also think it's very interesting that they are planning on doing a live event in November. I actually do think November, while not a lock and certainly not guaranteed, but I do think November offers possibilities. I think there are possibilities and potential that they would be able to pull off something on a little bit of a smaller scale. Maybe not your full 150,000, 200,000 people, but maybe on a bit of a smaller scale. Here's the one thing I question about it, though, Rob. Why not just cancel the July event and focus entirely on November? Like, if you're going to do the November event in person, and I I like that they're going to aim for that, why bother doing the July event? Like, I, I feel like you should be you know, putting all of your energy and attention into the one rather than trying to divide the two. Again, I, in the absence of a live event, I'd rather them do virtual. But if you're going to plan a live event anyway, just a few months later, why not just put all of your energy there? So, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying it's a definitively dumb idea. I just kind of question what the point of doing the virtual one is if with July, August, if literally three months later, 90 days later, you're going to be doing a live in, in event. So I don't know. Rob, you heard about this. What do you think about those three things? The making July virtual, having a live event in November and doing both instead of just one. How do you see it? Well, I, th- I think that they really don't have a choice because like you said, if if anything defines a super spreader event, it would be Comic-Con. <laughs> There's no way around it. So it it makes sense until you have a margin of safety that's that's close to 100%. I I think it's a shrewd safe move. Um I think the reason Comic-Con is so popular, you know, in the summer a lot of people are out of younger people are out of school. I think your the your the summer movie season is sort of wrapping down or uh, uh, coming to a close in mid-July. Uh, uh and I think that they've got they like they like it in the summer because they can promote everything that's coming out for the rest of the year, new TV shows, the movies that are going into the holiday season. So I think there's probably a, a good reason why they're going to keep that event because a lot of the most popular Comic-Con panels and things like that are promoting those upcoming shows. But again, like you, uh, in in November, the the who's going to, you know, you, you're going into the holidays. So who's going to go to San Diego to some big event when you're however many days away you are from Thanksgiving and beginning the holiday season, people are still in school, you know, college is still going on. And I, 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 I don't know about the wisdom of that. I'm, I'm sure they have some logic that I am yet to be made aware of, but it seems to me, like you said, I, I don't think November is a great time for Comic-Con for a number of, of, of reasons, like I've just stated. Um, but I don't know why do one and not the other. I, if they're going to go to November, why don't you just throw the event in November? But I, I just don't see that they could get near the attendance that they get in the summer. But doesn't that work in their favor maybe a little bit? Because like I, I, I'm thinking even if you do it in November and things are clear in November, you probably don't want to have a full 150, 200,000 people in there. Sure. And maybe do it in November just kind of naturally would help reduce – the amount of people you want to get a live event up and running again, but you don't want it full scale. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe what you're pointing out about like Thanksgiving, which I think is a great observation, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and things like that. I still, I still get confused when I hear Americans talk about Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving 
Real Thanksgiving isn't in November, people. I'm Canadian. <laughs> but but I, I still get like it. Maybe that works in their favor. Maybe that I mean, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to be optimistic. I, I just think no, I can see that. I mean, but I just think in November, you know, the interesting thing about Comic-Con that a lot of people might not know is people travel from all over the world. Yes. And all over the United States to go there, which is one of the reasons it's so appealing. You get to catch up with people you might not see except at Comic-Con that who live on the other side of the country from you. And I just don't know if November is the best time to be throwing this because people are, are Comic-Con's a big thing. It's a, if it's going to be five days, if you include preview night, that's a huge commitment people have to make in the month of November when school is still going on, when, unless they're planning to do it over the Thanksgiving break, I don't know, but um, we shall see. You might be right. I mean, it's a good way to sort of get back to doing Comic-Con by launching a smaller event that isn't so huge. Maybe that's what they're planning on doing, ramping up again, which I can see the logic behind that. Question is, guys, what do you think about this move? Number one, going virtual in July. I think it's probably a good idea. You can't have 200,000 people together, plus you want some time to ramp up for your virtual event. Hopefully, they can do a much better job than they did last year, although they did a pretty good job considering the short amount of time they gave themselves to pull it together. And then November, a live event. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to go in November. Probably just because I miss it so much. Right. But I know, right. guys, what do you think about this whole thing? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts okay guys with that down let's move into main topic number three shall we and our third main topic today gets submitted to us by benji m who writes hello john and rob uh, first of all john thank you for all the wandavision coverage my wife and i are obsessed i think there's a lot of people obsessed by the way happy 61 and a half hours everybody 61 and a half hours until the new episode, the final episode of WandaVision. Just wanted to throw that out there. The clock is ticking. Uh, my wife and I are obsessed. Anyway, I know you debunked the Amber Heard getting fired rumor. I didn't debunk it. Uh, I know you debunked the Amber Heard getting fired rumor based on that Forbes article, but I keep seeing more and more sites reporting it. Is it possible she was actually fired? What do you think? All right. So uh, fair enough question, Benji. So here's basically what Benji is referring to. So a couple of days ago, um, you saw this big burst of uh, chatter going on online about, did you hear Amber Heard got fired off of Aquaman? And I thought, well, that's interesting. But when you looked into it and you found out who everybody was quoting and who everybody was referencing, they were all referencing this article in Forbes. I went and looked at the article of Forbes. And of course, you guys remember, we talked about this last week and the article on Forbes wasn't about Amber Heard getting fired. It was actually an article from two months ago in a story about Amelia Clark selling her house and by a writer on Forbes who covers real estate. And then in one of the throwaway paragraphs down near the end, it just kind of casually writes, and you know, Amelia Clark's doing this, this, and this, and she was hired to replace Amber Heard and blah, blah, blah. So obviously he read something somewhere and threw that into his story. Now, that didn't mean it was impossible that Amber Heard, look, we're looking, we're seeing uh, studios, Rob, trying to separate themselves from drama. Although with Amber Heard, it is a little bit different because Amber Heard's got Zack Snyder in her corner. She's got uh, Walter Hamada in her corner. She seems to have the WB executives in her corner. So having like all of those people on her side, it, it seemed unlikely about that. But you never know it's possible. 
Well, what Benji is referring to is in the last number of days, we've seen a continuation of flux of more and more sites running these headlines, blah, 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 blah. As you look into them, though, a lot of them go back to that Forbes article. They keep pointing back to that Forbes article as the originator of that story. And then there were some stories going around that, oh, I heard that Amber Heard didn't pass a physical that she's contractually obligated to pass, which, hey, that studios do put those clauses in some contracts. Oh, yeah. They absolutely do. So there could be, I mean, so it's it could be some merit and all that kind of stuff. Again, it seemed unlikely considering that, again, Zack Snyder's on her side, Walter Hamada's on her side, all that kind of stuff. It seemed unlikely that they would try to remove her. Anyway, uh, now it seems to be kind of put to rest a little bit because what we've got happening here, this comes to us from Cineblend referring to Hollywood Reporter. There were recently reports that Heard was also being fired by Warner Brothers, but it seems those reports were inaccurate. The Hollywood Reporter's Ryan Parker revealed that someone close to the Aquaman 2 set has denied reports of Amber Heard's firing. While the source's name was not provided, obviously, this does seem to clear up the online discussion about Heard's possible departure. And while the results of her ongoing courtroom battle with Depp remain to be seen, it looks like her version of Mara will remain part of Jason Momoa's franchise. Now, what's important about this is that this is coming from not a John Campia, Gas Gus's gas station movie reviews dot fart kind of website or, right. or or nothing YouTube channel like mine. This is coming from the Hollywood Reporter. You're saying, look, we talked to somebody with within that thing and say, no, Amber Heard's not been fired. So I mean, I that should put it to rest. That should that should end it, I would think. I mean, if there was never any legitimate news saying that she's been fired, if you understand that Walter Hamada, Zack Snyder, and and the execs of Warner Brothers are on her side, and now in the light of all the rumors going around, the Hollywood Reporter uh, is actually coming out saying, nope, I touched base with my studio rep there. She's not been fired. Now, does that mean it's impossible that it could be? Of course it's not impossible. Of course it could be. But I think if you're going to be rational about it, at this point, you have to say, we've got to assume she's not been fired from it. We have to assume she is indeed still our Mara. And if other legitimate factual evidence and news comes to light, we, we can revisit that and maybe change and say, OK, well, maybe she was. And maybe we got to keep that in the back of our minds. But for now, it seems pretty clear that these rumors, which are continuing to persist, and I'm sure they will continue to persist. I mean, honestly, Rob, at this point, Jason Momoa himself could get on Instagram and say, just so everybody knows, and then the camera pans back and he's got his arm around Amber. Amber and I are still doing Aquaman together. There would still be rumors persisting that she's not. Uh, but again, anything is possible in this crazy world, but to me, that seems to put a nail in it. Rob, you, you hear about this. I don't know. It, it, the rumors continue to persist. Sometimes, Rob, where there is smoke, there is fire. But there seems yeah. to be constant water being doused on it from more reputable sources. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about this? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I think obviously she's in the news and and there's been a lot of talk with all of these celebrity transgressions lately that when they happen, the immediate, the knee jerk reaction is that they're, they're being fired. And, you know, I think that it's not as easy. 
people have contracts. And when you're signing on for these big tentpole uh, films, you, you have contracts that cover multiple films. I mean, obviously, Crimes of Grindelwald, we, we know that Johnny Depp stepped down and is not going to be in the next Fantastic Beast movie, but he's getting paid. He's getting paid because he had that contract. So it's a tough call. And while Amber Heard has been in a vicious custody, or not custody, but a, a lawsuit, multiple lawsuits with Johnny Depp, you know, she still hasn't necessarily, she might be the wronged party, who knows, I don't know, but um, I, I don't see that she's any, I, I, look, it doesn't surprise me that she would get fired, especially over health issues, maybe, maybe she's been self-medicating too much, but on the other hand, maybe she hasn't been. And it's just business as usual, and this is this is what the hype train uh, brings into the station. It's like she's gonna get fired, and it's like, you know, one one site, you know, we see it all the time. One site reports something like this. Somebody hears something from somebody, you know, and and these rumors are reported, and then they become something that's reported on by other people. But a lot of the time, they turn out not to be true. But I could see it going either way because, first of all. No studio needs this kind of publicity on any of their projects. You're making an Aquaman movie. It's a family-friendly superhero franchise for the whole family, a four-quadrant film. So what do you need this kind of press before you've even started making the movie? Well, and this it's situations like this that make me feel some empathy for studios like Disney or Warner Brothers or whatever because Warner Brothers now finds themselves in a spot that they never asked to be in. If they keep Amber Heard, there's going to be a segment of people that get all butt hurt. If they let Amber Heard go, there's going to be another demographic of people that are going to be extremely butt hurt and upset. And it's like Warner Brothers is sitting there. It's like, what the F did we do? Like yeah. we, we didn't ask for any of this. You actors with your bullshit TMZ lives causing us grief. And like no matter so they so Warner Brothers is kind of in a situation where they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. Whichever move they do now, through through they never asked for this from from Depp or from Heard or from anybody because of their off camera bullshit. Warner Brothers has to take heat, and on that level, I kind of feel a little bit bad for them. <laughs> I feel bad from that level. Anyway, question is, guys, what do you think about this? I mean, listen, an actor is expendable. So, I mean, maybe Amber Heard some, doesn't end up in this thing. It's difficult to believe that understanding all of who was in her corner, including like the studio had Walter Hamada, the executives, Zack Snyder continues to want to work with her, all that kind of stuff. And now we're getting reports from The Hollywood Reporter that the studio's confirmed to them that Amber Heard's not going anyway. But you know the rumors are going to persist and you never know. But question is, guys, what do you think about this right now? Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move into our fourth and final main topic today. And our fourth and final main topic today gets sent in to us by Isaac Beebe. And Isaac Beebe writes, Hey, John, I just saw a tweet from the Today Show in Australia saying that Chris Hemsworth, Matt Damon, and Idris Elba attended an 80s-themed birthday party in Sydney. Thor Love and Thunder is currently being shot in Sydney. Does this mean that we could see the return of Heimdall, even though he was killed in Infinity War? All right. Thanks for sending that in. And yeah, this is interesting. This is interesting. Now, normally, you know me, Rob, I'm always the wet blanket. 
You know, whenever something comes out that looks like it could be for something, I'm the one who says, don't read into it. That's nothing. I'm always the wet blanket, right? You are. I am. I am I am the wet blanket. Someone's got to be the wet blanket. Might as well be me. Well, here's the thing. What's happening? Here's the situation. There, of course, Thor, Love and Thunder is shooting in Australia right now. Right? And what has happened is that there's been a birthday party. I believe it was like for Chris Hemsworth's personal assistant. I, I think that's who the birthday party was for. I'm not completely sure about that. But it was this themed birthday party in Australia. You know, you got to purposely be in Australia if you're not Australian. And photos from the party came out and Idris Elba was there and him and Chris Hemsworth were taking pictures together. Why was Idris Elba in Australia? And this has started some people buzzing. Ooh, maybe he's returning as, as Heimdall for Thor 4. Now, normally, Rob... My standard operating procedure is to then be the wet blanket and say, come on, guys. It's a picture of two friends taking a picture with each other at a birthday party. Yeah, yeah, it was in Australia. That looks a little fishy, but it's two guys. Let's not, you know, we as we as especially genre fans, Rob, we have this habit of grabbing onto any little piece of information and trying to develop an entire you know, theory around it. And he's back. <laughs> but I will tell you why I'm not going to be the wet blanket this time. I am not going to be the wet blanket this time, and I'll tell you why. I There's a couple of things. Number one, is the Australia angle. I mean, again, you, you just don't happen to be in Australia, right? Like, you, you t- like if, if there was a picture of me in Italy while there was some big movie YouTuber conference going on in Italy, it's probably not a coincidence that I happened to be in Italy at the time, right? So so there's that one little angle. There's that. The second little thing, and this is a little thing, the second little thing is nobody dies in the MCU. It is the Marvel fake death universe. I mean, so don't, don't worry about it. We're watching a show right now called Wanda and the name of a character who has died already twice in the MCU. So, I mean, there's that, right? So don't the fact that Heindel died in one of the movies means nothing, absolutely nothing. But here's the third thing, and this is the key one, Rob. I can't remember if it was you or Ryan who was telling me this, but a few weeks ago, there were some whispers going around that Idris Elba was going to appear in Thor 4. There were some some whispers going around. Uh and a, and a number of journalists and YouTubers and things like that. We all heard the same thing. And I think none of us took it seriously. I think, I know I certainly didn't take it seriously. Uh, and by the way, Coop TV sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you. Coop TV. Um, just simply didn't take it seriously, dismissed it. So I'm like, that's BS wet blanket campia BS on that. But then these pictures come out and, and I see, wait a minute. So he is in Australia and he is there as they're filming Thor four. So look, all, all, I'm not going to be the wet blanket, but I'm also not going to jump up and down and saying this is official, confirmed, Heimdall is in Thor 4. I'm not going to say that. But I, I have to admit it has piqued my curiosity. Like when you combine a previous whisper that we had heard that I completely didn't believe and dismissed. Now, just a few weeks later, we see him in Australia 
hanging out with Chris Hemsworth as they're filming Thor 4. I have to admit, Rob, I'm going, I'm, I'm a little bit doing what we as fans always do. I feel like I'm getting ahead of ourselves and I'm, I'm starting to think maybe there is a possibility he's going to pop up in there. So look, I, I don't know for sure, but I think there's reasons to maybe be curious to be curious about it. <laughs> I know Rob, you've seen and heard all of this. Are we crazy? Is this clearly nothing like I would normally say it is? I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? Well, I mean, we know that Loki also died, but he's coming back because of the <laughs> quantum realm and the multiverse. And uh, they are, after all, gods from Asgard. So who wouldn't want Idris Elba to come back? I'm like, could we bring Idris Elba back? I mean, let's let's weigh the pros and cons of that. Well, there are no cons. Let's bring him back. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, that's what I would say about it. I mean, look at that badass. Who? Why wouldn't you want Stringer Bell coming back in your movie? I of don't know. Of course you would. I I I I can't tell you how you know. I could listen to Idris Elba read the phone book. He just has <laughs> one of those voices. I love the way he looks. He is just a badass. And um, look at him in that. Look at that. Look at that headgear, man. By the way, they are making a third-party action figure of him. Hot Toys is not, but there is a third party coming out. And would you be surprised if I told you I pre-ordered it? So I'm all for him coming back, John. Bring him back. I'll be honest yes. with you. I'd, I'd be surprised if you hadn't already ordered it. Uh, I mean, obviously, you would love to have him back. Obviously. Yes. So look, yes, I, I would. I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying that I think this is it. Idris Elba is going to be in Thor four. I'm not. I'm just going to point out. That, you know, hey, I'll, I'll say it when there was a, a whisper and a rumor that I completely dismissed. I'll admit it. I, I completely dismissed it. And now something else looks like maybe there's something to it. I don't know. I don't know. That's where that's where I'm landing on right now. Instead of my normal wet blanket self, I'm, I'm going to say, actually, I don't know. Question is, guys, what do you think about this? Are you taking the wet blanket approach like I normally do? Or are you kind of thinking, you know, maybe there's something to this? Who knows for sure, but whatever you think, jump down into the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys, with that down, let's now move on and start taking your live questions. And how do you get a live comment or question on the show? It's really simple. Simply go down in the description of this video and you're going to see a tip link or you can enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. Make sure you include your name on there because I'm going to make sure that you guys get a shout out there. You'll be getting your comment or question on a video and if it's reasonable, of course, and of course, you'll be supporting the show at the same time. And all of us involved with the John Campia Show, thank you guys very, very much for your engagement and of course, your support. All right, with that down, let's get into those live questions, shall we? And we're going to start things off here with Sam Robinson, who writes, what does he write? I lost it. There it is. I just watched your recent video on Lady J, and now I'm curious, what is your opinion on Carnival Row? We were just talking about Carnival Row with the new uh, cast member joining uh, Obi-Wan. I loved it, but haven't really seen anyone else's opinions, so have no idea how well it was received overall. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank you so much, Sam. I'll tell you what, I liked Carnival Row. I didn't love it. Like I didn't like I watched the first couple episodes with Anne and then I kind of got caught up later. My wife Anne though, Rob, loved it. She loved Carnival Row. Did you have a chance to watch it yourself? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I've been following this project for the better part of two decades. Um Tyler Beecham or tra pardon me, Tyler Beecham, Travis Beecham who wrote Pacific Rim wrote 
uh, a killing on Carnival Row as a spec script. Guillermo del Toro was interested in directing it at one point, and I I really was excited for the show. I thought, you know, expanding it out to a series, I liked a lot of it. I didn't think it was genius, but I really liked the show. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the second season. So I, I'm a fan. I really like the world that they built, and it's beautifully produced. And I liked all the actors and the characters for the most part, and so I'm a fan. All right, next up, we got Mike Corleone, who writes, one of two. The writers, directors of Endgame both have contrasting views as to whether Cap was already worthy of wielding Mjolnir in Avengers Age of Ultron. You'll find that the writers and the directors of Infinity War and Endgame contrast on a lot of different issues, actually. But at any rate, uh, Weirdly Mjolnir and Avengers Age of Ultron. Russo say Steve was just faking it and could have lifted it at any time, but didn't want to offend Thor. Meanwhile, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, those are the writers of Infinity War and Endgame, um, say he genuinely was unable to lift the hammer in Age of Ultron, as he was still being held back by lying to Iron Man about Bucky killing his parents. What are your thoughts? Uh, so my thoughts are this, and I think I said this before, the very notion of Cap faking lifting Mjolnir is in and in itself a lie. That would be a lie. That would be a deception. That would be an untruth that he was doing anyway. So, and, and look, and if Steve didn't want to show up for then he wouldn't have said, all right, I'll take a crack at it and rolled up. He just wouldn't have done it if he didn't want to potentially show up. So no, I don't think Steve would have lied about it. I think Steve, my interpretation has always been, I'm with the writers on this. My interpretation has always been he was never able to lift it. But, but, because then you say, but John, you know, once we get into Endgame, he's got that. Yeah, but he was the only one who was able to nudge it. He was the only, which, which was a foreshadowing to us. About what was come. Rob, which side do you take on this? Do you think he was just faking that he couldn't lift it in Ultron? Or at that time, was he legitimately not able to fully lift it? What are your thoughts on it? I don't think he was able to fully lift it. You know, I I, agree. I, I, I mean, look, I loved that. Like I've said before, I, I could watch an Avengers dinner movie, like my dinner with the Avengers, like my dinner with Andre, where they just sit around <laughs> and talk. I, I would have watched that for two hours. And um, I, you know, I love that scene, and I think that um, uh, I, I like that there's evolution. You know, it's 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 that's why it means something as as the movies progress and when you get to Endgame, and I I love that, and I love how it's set up, and I love you know I I think it was great. Yeah, but I, I don't agree. think he could have done it the whole time. Yeah, I agree. All right, next up, uh, Suthius writes. You know, it is possible the vision we see being dismantled could have been a mock version, a mock vision. Yeah, that whole scene after watching it a few times to me, Hayward was clearly trying to see and persuade wanted to see if she could revive him. Um, and I think uh, it was all show. If they can put back together vision, they can create a mock up with white vision scene. Hayward said they took apart and put together a million times, perhaps over two to three to four years. He was hoping she'd come by after the blip to see him. Well, remember the, he never knew the blip was undoing. That's the thing. Everybody's just assuming that he had been planning this for years. Wanted never, nobody, there was no reason to believe anybody was coming back. By the way, Kung Fu hot dog sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you. Kung Fu hot dog. Appreciate that. Um, so no, but Rob, the, the new theory that somebody dropped 
on a, a video the other day that I I kind of like. I don't I don't know if I buy into it, but I kind of like is the idea of the vision body we see strewn all over that lab was is the original vision body. But instead of reassembling it, what they did was they studied it and then got $3 billion worth of vibranium. And while the Vision's original body was all strewn out, they kind of recreated him and made a new version of it. And that's the white version we see. I don't know if I buy into it, but I kind of like that theory because that would explain why it was all nice and cleanly, all assembled, good paint job, the whole thing. I... I don't know. What do you think about that uh, that theory? Do you think that vision body we saw strewn what was the actual body? Do you think that is the one that we saw reassembled into white? I don't know. Where are your thoughts on that right now? No, I, I think I don't think it's a new. I think it's the original vision body um, because we saw it, you know, change color in in Infinity War. You know, bled the like whatever that color is. It was the life was sort of bled out of him, and I think that you know without Stark and without what was being done with, with Banner and Stark to create together vision, I don't think it could be done. I don't think that the work could have been duplicated no matter who sword had on their side, unless they had, I don't know, extraterrestrial technology or something. But um, yeah, I know. I think it's the original, I think it's the original vision. All right. Next up uh, we've got sloth is legend who writes, Hey John, two questions. What is the point of being able to? Uh, what is the point of being capable of spontaneous creation if what you create isn't real? Uh, that's illusion, not creation. Hex, Vision, and twins must be real, right? Although, does Agatha fear Wanda or just want to absorb her power? I think. Well, about the Agatha thing, I don't see why those are two mutually exclusive things. Those both could be completely true. I think she is a little bit scared of Wanda, and I think she wants to absorb her power. So I think the both are true. As far as all that kind of stuff. Remember, all we've heard, everything we hear from Agatha is Agatha's theories. Like, Rob, one of the interesting things to me is that, you know, Agatha suggests that Wanda was a witch the whole time, right from being a young girl with the bomb. But we never actually see that. All we hear is Agatha's theory, and which may be real, which, which very well could be what it actually is, but she may be wrong. And remember, it's also an interesting thing that Look, when Vision tries to go outside of the Hex, he cannot exist outside of the Hex. He just can't be there. Now, you could argue that that's because Wanda has a specific spell on Vision that Vision cannot leave, maybe, um, or, or some other kind of variant of that. I think the implied message is that this Vision, who kind of talks about the memories of a different Vision being a completely different person, I think the implied message of the show is that he can't exist outside the hex. I, I don't know, but it is a good question. Like, because, you know, she does say, Ag Agnes does say, you know, you're, you're capable of spontaneous creation. Is that her laying out a narrative truth or is that her saying what she's seen happen inside the hex? I mean, I don't know. What's your take on that right now? Uh, you know, I, no, I think that she's speaking overall. I, 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 think you know we saw in her little introduction that she came to the hex when it already existed yeah i i think that i think that agatha harkness uh felt or whatever didn't realize that wanda she might have realized wanda existed but that this kind of power had not existed before and this was like a beacon a lighthouse to anybody that was tuned into the mystical energies and that's why she showed up she's like my god who is this person and what's going on? And, 
and I need to find out to harness this power, to use this power. In the comics, Agatha Harkness became sort of a mentor yeah. to Wanda. And I think that she's she's look, she's been probably around and in hiding and to see to see an explosion of mystical energy out in the open on this level is uh, is of enormous importance. And she's never probably seen anything like it in hundreds of years. So uh, she went to find out what the heck's going on. And I think Agatha is hedging her bets. She's she doesn't know what quite is going on yet. She thinks she does. But, you know, the revelation at the end when she says, you're the, you wield chaos magic, you're the Scarlet Witch, she's kind of just figured it out. But I don't think she knows everything. Yeah. I think there's a lot more going on and she's, she's investigating it as much as she is trying to benefit from it. I agree. All right. Next up, uh, Anton writes, one of two. Hey, John and Rob and Aaron, who's not here, a uh, big fan in Ireland. Love the show. Hear me out. Regarding a character in WandaVision, I still think there's more to the character of Dottie. I think she'll be revealed to be none other than Agatha's mom. Uh, she's one of the few who wasn't shown to have a hostage profile in episode four. I, I think they did show that she had one. I'm not positive about that. Uh, she's nowhere to be seen when Wanda drives through Westview towards the end of episode eight. I think Salem became Westview. Wanda creating the hex allowed Agatha's mom to live again, but only in the hex. Um, I mean, I like the idea that Westview is Salem. I, I kind of, I kind of buy into that, that Westview is in the location of where Salem was. I mean, I don't know that I might, there might be a million reasons why I shouldn't think about that, but maybe I, I don't see it though. I, I just don't see that sort of connection that she's like, why, would she be re how would Wanda reincarnate her from the dead to bring her back? So I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that. No, I don't think Dottie is Agatha's mom, but uh, I mean, if it is where Salem is, I mean, listen, Anton, maybe you're onto something. There could be a lot of different possibilities. There's something we'll have to keep our eye open. And if it turns out Dottie appears in the final episode and says, I am Agatha's mom and her little energy crown appears. Yeah. Well, then, Anton, we will remember that you called it. All right. Uh, oh, so there was a three of three. Uh, someone said before that there might be an emphasis on plants to do with witchcraft. In episode one, Agatha compliments Dottie's roses. In episode seven, we see a brief glimpse of Dottie and she is gardening. Agatha's mom could help Wanda defeat. Ag well, no, I, I, I think we see her gardening. Therefore, she's a witch. It reminds me of that Monty Python sketch. So if she floats, she's a witch. Yeah, I, I'll i be honest with you, Anton. Look, maybe you're right about the Dottie theory, but I don't think Dottie doing gardening is probably any indication for or against it. But again, let's see what how that turns out. Ryan Lohner writes, my whole family has now gotten the Moderna vaccine. Oh, good for your family, man. That's great. Which means we all owe our lives to Dolly Parton. I kind of felt like that already anyway. Dude, the immortal Dolly Parton. Is there nothing this woman cannot do? She just once again proves more and more she belongs amongst the pantheon of the gods. She really does. And that's awesome, Ryan. That's great news to hear. Thanks for sharing that, man. Sergeant Ward writes, Hey, John, I got Disney Star in the UK. I thought we were going to get all the Hulu and FX content, but we got a couple of them, and I'm a little disappointed by this. I must see boss level on Hulu. Yeah, Rob, that's one thing that to me, I, I've never fully understood what the division of IPs is, especially when it comes you know, in North America, we don't get star. I mean, in America, we don't get star because we've already got Hulu. I right. just assumed foolishly. So I just assumed foolishly 
that Star was just going to be basically an international version of Hulu. It's going to have all of Hulu's things, but I'm hearing more and more it's not. Do you fully understand how Star is working with the division of content? Because I certainly don't. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I do not. I mean, one of the things I think that we have in the modern day, like normally, you know, every foreign country was a territory and you would sell things like you'd sell shows to Britain and France and Germany and uh, they were all different territories. And that's what you tried to do. And now with stars and, and these streaming services, they're global, but some aren't and some are in these countries and some aren't. It's I, I, I find it very difficult to understand. And I know that like with with even Zack Snyder's Justice League, it's they're farming it out to all different. There's all these different people broadcasting it all over the world. And with stars, I, I'm like, because there's things on stars I want to watch. And I'm like, uh, who, who, who's what bundle are they part of? Do I have to get my own subscription? I don't know. <laughs> I, right. I, I, I mean, I just don't know. All right. Next up. We've got uh, Atreyu writes. There's a little bit of a uh, never-ending story reference never there. Story. Atreyu writes, my birth name is Atreyu. I was born in 85. Oh, that's awesome that your parents would name you that. I think that's great. Uh, what do you think of the thematic elements of the never-ending story? I feel that movie handles the theme of imagination uniquely. Yes, uh, Bastion's name, the childlike empress, Moonchild. Uh, I guess that was uh, that was it. Um Listen, Rob, honestly, when you look back to Never Ending Story, and by the way, a friend of mine had had two dogs uh, named uh, Falcor, and oh, I forget the name of the other one. I thought the other one also had a Never Ending Story uh, name. But anyway, Falcor was the name of one of their dogs. The Never Ending Story, thematically speaking, there's a lot of movies that have come since, since Never Ending Story. That if you really break it down, bother borrows a lot of thematic elements that you had in Never Ending Story, like the whole thing about the nothing and and all that kind of stuff. And I think it plays out a lot. I've I mean that's why I thought it captured our imaginations as kids, and that's why I think it continues to capture our imaginations today. I don't know, Rob, when you look and think about the thematic elements of Never Ending Never Ending Story, what do you think? Well, you know, it's it. Uh, what I love about the never ending story is it's about storytelling itself. Yes. You know, in, in a way I kind of think that like the princess bride and never ending story sort of belong in the same genre of tale, you know, when they're, they're, they're literally about the story about books and stories and going into those stories. And I think that's what, what's sort of irresistible as children, whether people are reading stories to us or whether we're cracking open the books, there is something about being a kid when you would open a book and you would be immersed into these worlds, they were very vibrant and they, they, they seemed real. And I think that's what the never ending story really does. I, I mean, it's sort of an amalgamation of, of all of the great tropes of fantasy literature put together with a, a hip eighties synth soundtrack. And what's not to love about that, John, <laughs> I right. mean, a luck dragon who doesn't want Falcor. I am a luck around on a Falcor. Come on, man. <laughs> all right. Next up. Uh, War Doctor 10 writes, Hey, John and crew, I know that WandaVision has only one episode left, but how does it tie into Doctor Strange 2 and Spider-Man 3? I haven't noticed anything that could tie in it. Did I miss something? What are your thoughts? Well, here's here's the problem, War Doctor. Your, it's what your starting perspective is. You haven't seen Spider-Man 3 or Doctor Strange 2. Like, if Spider-Man 3 and Doctor Strange 2 already existed, then it would 
then you could say, I don't see anything in WandaVision that could tie into Spider-Man 3 or Doctor Strange 2. Those two movies don't exist yet. So literally anything in WandaVision could tie into Spider-Man 3 and Doctor Strange 2 because those movies don't even exist yet. So, I mean, Dottie could be the connective tissue between Spider-Man 3 and WandaVision. The piano guy could be the (laughs) tie-in. The kids could be the tie-in. I mean, until you see Spider-Man 3, you you and I both have no idea about what in WandaVision could tie in. Right. Because that's just theoretical. The Spider-Man three and Doctor Strange two are just theoretical things right now. So literally anything could tie in. Anything could tie in. So that's you got to make your starting point there. That's the starting point. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, Shower thoughts writes. I want Darcy to ask if they whitewashed vision. <laughs> I know, right? Somebody wrote that and said the ultimate Hollywood whitewashing vision. I thought, I thought that was funny <laughs> um, to ask if they whitewashed vision uh, is visions. First name the, if so, would that make Wanda Mrs. Wanda vision? Also, uh, wouldn't it make his initials TV? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Uh, if hex is down like Monica's pants, does town keep much better looking real estate? Oh, probably not. I think everything as everything, has evolved and changed now the monica stuff has always uh, has been a wrench in that you know why does monica's stuff hold their form when she came out the one theory i heard about why monica's stuff held form was because she was enveloped in like a hex cocoon when wanda threw her out and maybe that prevented everything on her from, i mean i just honestly don't know uh but rob i i will admit it has they keep referring to Vision in this show, at least everybody other than Wanda, who calls him Vision or Viz. Everybody else seems to refer to him as The Vision. The Vision. Is, do you think there's any relevance to that, or do you think that's just a semantic thing? No, I think it's just a semantic thing. I mean, you know, I think a lot of the characters just call him Viz or Vision. Um, you know, it's like somebody corrected me when I, I tweeted out that I said The Eternals. And they came back and they said, no, it's just Eternals. And I'm like, well, you know, when I was reading Kirby's original versions and the omnibus I have, it's the Eternals. But Eternals is fine. The movie, I guess, is called Just Eternals, which makes sense. But I have comics that say the Eternals on them. Mm. So in my mind, it's but I wouldn't I wouldn't walk up and go if I was talking to Vision, what would you say? Would you go, hey, the Vision, how are you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's you exactly. You just go, yeah. hey, Viz. You know, hey, Vision. What's up? What's up, buddy? Uh, I noticed you've lost some pigment there. All right. Uh, let's see what's next. Next up is uh, Playmaker. Hey, John. Do you think it's time for Marvel that Marvel started releasing first look teasers for movies that should have been out by now, like Shang Chi and Eternals? Also, happy belated birthday. No, trailers are pieces of marketing. That's it. They're not. Co- it's not content right? It's not content. It's pieces of marketing. And I think a lot of us movie fans, including myself, we often forget at the end of the day, they're just commercials. What point is there? Like Rob, how much, how far away are we still from Eternals? Nine months or something like that? 10 months? What, what's the point? What's the point of putting out a trailer for Eternals right now? It literally, if you're Marvel, it benefits you zero. You get zero benefit from it. Any excitement of buzz that gets generated for it right now, will be dissipated within a couple of months. So why not just release that as you get a little bit closer to it? So no, I don't think it's time to start releasing trailers. 
I only ever look at them releasing trailers in terms of how does that give you effective marketing? And when you're still this far out now, I wouldn't be surprised if we're not too terribly far away from getting some, some looks at Shang-Chi. I don't think we're terribly far away from that. Uh, but cause it is nope. coming out this year. Like it's coming out in how many months? July 9th. Through July 9th. So I wouldn't be surprised. We're, we're in March right now, uh, March, uh, April, May, June, July, four months. I suspect probably within the next 30, 30, 40 days, we'll probably get a first mean, look there. John, I'm looking at this at this release schedule for just this year for Marvel. Oh, I know. I know. March 19th, <laughs> Falcon Winter Soldier begins. May 7th, Black Widow starts. Uh, um, uh, May 21st, well, now I guess it's July 11th, but this, this old schedule was Loki. Then Shang-Chi was going to be July 9th. What If was going to start in July um, Miss Marvel was going to be September 24th. Eternals was November 5th. Hawkeye is November 19th. And then Spider-Man far from, or, uh, no, no way home. I mean, we're getting, uh, it's like there's Marvel for, every week for the next year. I know this feels like, right. I mean, it's, it's, but that's one of the things we knew was going to be a repercussion of what happened with 2020 going in the toilet was was a lot of this and uh and and we'll see but I, to get back to the question i think soon we'll probably see some for shang chi because that yeah. makes sense for marketing the product uh but uh but yeah that's kind of my take on it all right next up Messi's the goat writes so recently after hearing you reference house of m i decided to start reading comic books for the first time nice and after finishing the series i'm hooked i'm about to start the court of owls that's a, a lot of people love the court of owls uh, and was wondering what other series you would recommend reading well there's a couple that i think are really key i'll do one dc and one marvel one the dc one i often go back to just because i love the way it ended was the Batman Nightfall series. It's the series where Bane uh, Bane comes into the picture, uh, you, know, inf- you know, famously breaks Batman's back. Uh, Jean-Paul comes in and takes over the mantle of the bat, the eventual return of Bruce Wayne that culminates a little bit later in, Rob, what is, uh, you've heard me talk about this, my favorite, I, it's weird to talk about scenes in comic books, but my favorite all-time comic book scene, my favorite all-time comic book scene is after the end of the Nightfall series and Bruce is kind of back, him and Dick Grayson have it out. And I mentioned earlier in the series, Jean-Paul, what's his last name? Valley? Was, is, yeah. was Jean-Paul Valley, um, Azrael, takes over the mantle of the bat for Bruce. Doesn't go well, but at the end of it, Dick Grayson, who is Nightwing, confronts Bruce, and the whole issue is basically them having it out. And like Dick is like, why the hell did you not keep it in the family? Why did you not come to me? Do you not trust me? Am I not good enough for you? You know, blah, 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 blah. And basically you want to know why was the mantle of the bat handed over to somebody else? And then Bruce gives this reply uh, it was it was really great, but this I don't want to give it all up. But the ending of it is, I mean, it, Bruce basically says, and I'm paraphrasing the line a little bit, but this is pretty much it. Where he says he puts his hand on Dick's shoulder and he says, "This is the way it always is between fathers and sons." And I remember the first time I read that, 
I like closed the pages and went, oh my God, that like, because if you understand the history of Bruce and Dick, it's like, it was, it's just such a, it's my favorite all time scene. So, so I would recommend the Nightfall series on the DC side, on the Marvel side, my all time favorite comic story is actually the age of apocalypse. The age of apocalypse is my all time favorite Marvel story. Uh, it's a lot of issues. There's a lot of reading to do in age of, because it crosses over a lot of things. But if you're looking for one, there's probably a, an omnibus of it where you can probably get a whole collection. So on the DC side, the nightfall stuff on the Marvel side, I would say the age of apocalypse. Rob, if somebody were to say to you, Rob, I want to start reading comics. Or I'm just getting into comics. What's a story I should absolutely read. Remember they're, they're still relatively novice to reading comics. What would you recommend? Uh, well, there's a, <laughs> that's a tough question. I, I would say to people, read the beautiful Alex Ross painted Marvels series, which talks about from sort of the perspective of a human being, an observer, what it would be like to live in a Marvel universe with all these superpowered beings running around. I think that was a that was a great story that's very accessible to 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 people. Um, if we're talking superhero stories, I mean, obviously Watchmen, because I think Watchmen is a commentary on all superhero stories uh a superman for for all seasons or what do you get for the man that has everything which are uh, 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 two great superman stories uh a superman for all seasons is very very beautiful and very lyrical and you don't it doesn't require a lot of dc mythology to sort of understand what's going on um gosh there's so many my my head is flooded now but I'm trying to think of iconic places for people to start. You know, maybe even the X-Men graphic novel, God Loves, Man Kills, mm. which is a great a great story that I think can be understood outside of the crushing continuity that is the X-Men. Also, you know, if you haven't read stuff like uh, Art Spiegelman's Mouse, which is not a superhero story at all, but it's, it's basically a story about the Holocaust or Persep Persepolis. That's another these there's some there's so much good story. You know, there's a there's a Daniel Close who wrote Ghost World did a comic, a graphic novel called um, Patience. That's about time travel and relationships. That's really interesting and really good. And of course, I think the first 12 issues of Howard Chaikin's American Flag are worth reading. I mean, there's a million. It really depends what you're interested in. It's such a loaded question. But if you're only looking for superhero stories. You know, I think Marvel's from Marvel, obviously, that's painted by Alex Ross is a great uh, place to start. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Greg Scott Bailey who writes in nostalgia overload. Thanks to WandaVision. I started watching Malcolm in the Middle again. John, if you want a recommend a recommended episode on Hulu season four, episode three, family reunion, Cranston at his best and classic Malcolm plus brothers moment that defines why we love them. It was funny, Rob, because we're watching that episode of WandaVision and Aaron and her husband, Tom were over with me and Anne, and that part comes up that Malcolm in the middle opening comes up. And I'm like, Anne and Aaron and Tom are all like, Oh, Malcolm in the middle. And I didn't recognize it. Cause I've never watched Malcolm in the middle. So I've now, ever since I mentioned that on the show the other day, a lot of people have been telling me, and you know what, Greg, I think somebody else might've specifically mentioned that episode too. So I may have to check that out at some point. Thanks for the recommendation, Greg. Next up, Darklock63 writes, 
I think Hayward uh, knew the drone strike would fail and had it modified to collect energy. I also believe they were monitoring Wanda's interaction with uh, Vision's corpse in order to analyze her energy signature for potential use in Project Cataract. Okay, here's the problem with that theory. Here's the problem with the theory. And this is why I was contending, if this is all planned, then Hayward is the smartest person in the MCU. He's smarter than Shuri. He's smarter than Tony Stark. He's smarter than Banner. Um, all this. Because let's say that's true. Let's say he modified. First of all, how do you modify to collect magic witch hex energy? I don't know. They never would have known to do that. But let's say they did. Not only would Hayward have to know that, number one, the strike would fail, that, number two, the way Wanda would make it fail by, is by casting hex magic on it to make it fall instead of like, I don't know, levitating a car and throwing a car at it, right? So how, how did he know how she was going to stop it? But this is the big one. Then knowing that she was going to take out the drone, he had to have known she would then, in anger, change her clothes to her Wanda Maximoff outfit pick up the drone, drag it through the hex, come out and confront them face to face and just drop it at their feet. He had to be able to predict and know all of that was going to happen. And to me, that seems a little bit unlikely and a little bit outside of the brain power of Hayward. But I don't know, Rob, sometimes we got to suspend disbelief. What do you think about that theory? I, I think you're right. I think some that's that's well put. Sometimes you gotta suspend disbelief. Yes, indeed. Okay, <laughs> so maybe that's just what we gotta leave that at. But yeah, I have a hard time buying that theory. But who knows? You never know. That's what it might be exactly what they're going for there. All right. Uh, War Doctor Ten writes. Hey, John and crew, I think that Feige is setting up a Young Avengers. We've got Wiccan and Speed, uh, Bishop and Hawkeye, and Stature coming in Ant-Man 3. If this team was in Feige's plans, uh, he wouldn't introduce them thoughts. If this wasn't in Feige's plans, he wouldn't introduce them. Oh, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. Uh, I mean, look, that that is not to say, sorry, what I'm not suggesting is nonsense is that, that he could be doing a Young Avengers. That's not nonsense, thinking that he could be doing that. But thinking... Oh, unless he was doing Young Avengers, he wouldn't bother introducing those characters. And that's not true. That's not true. I, there could be a million reasons why he's using characters to tell his story. Just because he brings in a certain character, that doesn't mean, oh, he wouldn't have brought that character in unless he was going to do this one specific thing with them. That's not true. I mean, that's like saying, you know, they wouldn't have brought in Hank Pym if Hank Pym wasn't turns out to be the guy who actually created Ultron because in the comics, Hank Pym created Ultron. That that's where Ultron came from. So you could say, well, you know, Kevin Feige wouldn't bring Hank Pym in unless they were going to say that he's actually the one who created Ultron. Well, obviously they did bring in Hank Pym and they didn't use him for that. So you could be right. I mean, they're, they could be doing young Avengers. That's a possibility. Certainly. I actually don't think the, her two kids are getting out of this series, but that's just a theory. But I don't think that just the very fact that that Feige has brought a few of these characters in, that that means the only possible explanation there is for Kevin Feige bringing them in is to specifically do that. No, it could be for a million reasons, but it could that could be one of them. That could absolutely be one of them. All right, next up. 
uh, Narf writes, Narf, uh, at least Agatha had the high, <laughs> at least Agatha had the high ground at the end of the, it's over, Wanda. I have the high ground. Very good observation, Narf. Uh, Murray Reich writes, everyone is wondering where Pietro or Monica is, and I'm busy wondering where's Darcy at. Yeah, Darcy and Vision. Again, you know, Rob, I heard a lot of people saying this, like, how come they didn't show Pietro and Monica? Or, or, or like saying, well, why didn't they show? Because this episode needed to focus on Agatha and Wanda. We still have another episode to come. Uh, Rob, here's a question for you, though, connected Uh-oh. to this. Understanding that we have, I contend that Wanda still has three primary conflicts she needs to deal with. She needs to deal with the conflict with uh, Agnes or Agatha. She needs to deal with the conflict with S.W.O.R.D. And she needs to deal with the conf- the upcoming conflict with the White Vision. On top of that, we have still have Vision and Darcy out there who need to get back in the picture. We still have whatever's going on with Monica and Fietro and find out what is, so what is the deal with this Evan Peters character? Is he the Fox X-Men uh, thing? I still don't think he is, but it's possible. Is he... Uh, the, the, the missing witness protection person. Is he what? I don't know. There's so much stuff that still needs to happen. How long is this last episode going to be? I, I guessed 50 minutes, but what do you think? Oh, I think it's gotta be long. And I think you left out a crucial, a crucial thing. They also have to resolve what is going to happen between Wanda and herself. Yeah, that's that's a big one. This whole thing started off because of her grief. She comes back from, the snapping from the blip and realizes vision is gone. And I can't believe the the state of it. She finishes battling Thanos. I mean, can you imagine these people come back and all of a sudden they're in the midst of a conflict on earth with Thanos in the middle of this at Avengers headquarters, which lies in ruins and battling extraterrestrial forces. And then she has to process the death of black widow, uh, the, the death of Tony Stark, the death of vision I mean, so much grief and so much carnage. And then, you know, it's only been three weeks. So, I mean, she's in horrible psychic pain. And it isn't just going to go away. And and now whatever's going on, it's been compounded by the fact that all of these other conflicts that you just mentioned are rising to the fore. Plus, there's wacky mystical energy nexus being craziness that she didn't even know she was capable of going on. So I, 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 I don't see this show ending well for our girl Wanda, John. Rob, there's, I, a, I think- there's still these two primary, there's two primary outcomes. I still see a lot of people saying, Hey, you know how this is going to end? Wanda's going to merge her fake vision in with the white vision body and we're going to have a new vision back and Wanda's going to have her love back and it's going to be happily ever after. And and that, I mean, that is the other than infinity war. That is the way Marvel stuff usually ends. Are you still thinking like, I'm still thinking it's going to end Shakespearean tragedy. Yep. You, you're, you're with there's, me on that. There's no good outcome from this. Maybe <laughs> vision himself could be restored in some way, but Wanda's she's a she's broken and and not only is she broken the weight of the world that was on her has risen exponentially during this experience and um I I think she's gonna go off and we're gonna be left with one of the most dangerous beings in the Marvel universe who has the power to shape reality who's basically had a psychic 
psychotic break or a, a, a complete emotional meltdown is going to go and disappear. And and our reality after that's going to be threatened. And I think that's where they're going to leave us. All right. Uh, next up, we've got also Murray Reich who writes, in one of the Vision episode eight, I noticed that the TV shows that were on display included the Adams family. I'm just wondering, uh, we never saw in the sitcoms episodes anything that was an inspiration to the show, unless I missed something, which is possible. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think just, okay, this is what, what I would say to that, Murray, just off the top of my head, is that just because there's a thematic thing, like taking inspiration from certain shows, that doesn't mean everything that happens in the property has to follow that same pattern. You know what I mean? So I think your observation is correct, but I don't think it actually means anything. You know what I'm saying? So I think your observation is very astute, but I don't actually think it ultimately means anything. So unless, again, I'm missing something too. So there's that. All right, next up, Murray Reich also writes, what do you think will be the most uh, cop-out thing the show will do in the finale that will piss you off the most? Well, I don't know what the most cop-out thing they, they will do in the finale. I know the biggest cop-out ending they could do in the finale that would not piss me off, but would disappoint me a little bit is if we get the, the cookie cutter, happy ending, the cookie cutter paint by numbers, happy endings. Like they join together and fight off Agnes and uh, they fight off the white vision and vision says, Wanda, you were right all along, my darling, let's leave this hex. And they're able to all walk out as a happy family. And, you know, I'm walking on sunshine plays in the background as they all walk away happy. I mean, if they did that, Kevin Feige will find a way to make it awesome. But I, I would I, I would be lying if I didn't tell you it would disappoint me a little bit. Rob, what's one thing they could do? What's a cop-out thing they could do here that would leave you feeling a little bit disappointed? Well, if they wrap it all up, you know, right. and if, if everybody goes. I, I, and I think that, that, that there, there's so much that's been brought up here. There's so much so many ramifications that are going to echo throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, look at look at uh, Monica. Where's she going to be left at the end of this? Her her powers are manifesting. Where where does that leave her with Sword and Haywood? I mean, she used to have a good relationship with him. Now she doesn't. Uh, where does this leave Sword? Is it in tatters as an organization? Uh, where is Wanda going to go? What's going on? Agatha Harkness, we know that there's incredible mystical energies and supernatural elements to the Marvel Cinematic Universe we haven't seen before. I mean, there's just so many different things that are going to happen. And I think that if anything, this has blown up the Marvel Cinematic Universe and given us many different directions to focus on and travel in and and paths to 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 lead us somewhere that we're just seeing the very beginning of something that's going to give us Blade and is going to give us more Doctor Strange and more multiverse stuff. I think that what we're seeing is a conflagration of events that are going to blow blow apart into many, many different directions. And dude, I'm stoked. I don't think it's going to end well, but I am I am excited about what it all means because there's a lot of interesting story possibilities that we're seeing open up right here, which is what we want. Uh, by the way, out of the things that they could possibly do that would piss a lot of us off, of course, I missed one. Adnan Kabir in the live chat writes, it was all a dream. Yep. Oh, that, boy. That, oh, my God. Can you imagine how Dude. pissed off everybody would be if it ends 
And like she just wakes up and it's Hawkeye waking up Wanda, who is just taking a nap on his family's farm couch. Hey, Wanda, wake up. You were you were stirring. Is you okay? Oh, it was all a dream. That would that would piss me off. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, Mr. T writes. Remember when WandaVision first started, the two cops said there was no Westview, only Eastview. But in the last episode, when Wanda was driving in her flashback, the town uh, was driving in her flashback. The town sign was already named Westview before she unleashed her magic. Over under 50%, they pay they play foreigners double vision. What? Over under 50%. Oh, they play foreigners, the band, not foreigners from another country. They play foreigners <laughs> double vision track for a battle theme against them. Well, for, first of all, you got to remember, she didn't change. They weren't suggesting that they changed Eastview into Westview. There is Westview and there is Eastview. The point of that scene with the cops was that not only were people inside the hex affected, but the people in the surrounding area, their knowledge of Westview was completely wiped away. So you had the cops sitting there saying no such thing as Westview standing right beside the Westview sign. It's like, well, where are you from? We're from Eastview. So it's like, well, wouldn't you know if you're from Eastview, there would be a Westview? But so that was the implication. So they weren't implying that Wanda changed Westview in or changed Eastview into Westview. There was just that. I don't know, Rob, did you see it another way or, or is that how you saw no, it? No, I kind of saw it the way you described it. I mean, I, I didn't, I think they just didn't know what was happening. It was all residual effects. So yeah, I agree. All right, next up. <clears throat> Thanos writes, hey, John and Rob. The only thing I know about the Chris uh, about the Chris Rock Saw movie is exactly that, that he's in a Saw movie. Uh, do you guys know if it's a reboot or is this a sequel set in the same world as the Jigsaw we know? If I'm not mistaken, Rob, and what's the name of it again? I, I, I keep forgetting the name of it, but if I'm not mistaken, um, it is in a world where the Jigsaw killings happened. And I, I believe it is in the same continent. I don't think it's a reboot. I could be wrong about that, but I, I believe it's just... I, don't I think believe it's, it's a Spiral, right? Spiral is what it's called. Thank you. I don't think it's like a direct sequel, but I think it I think it happens in the same world. Rob, do you know anything more about that? That's just my the best I can remember it. No, but I mean, I know it's like based on... Chris Rock had this idea. Yes. You know, and I, I, I think what I, I love about this is... You know, I think the Saw franchise, especially the first three movies, is pretty underrated when people talk about good trilogies because it all works. It's it's pretty zany, but I'm a big fan of the especially the first three Saw films. And I think that that I'm sure Chris Rock in the wake of Get Out was able to pitch this idea and get it made. I'll bet this movie's pretty damn good. I'm willing. I, yeah. I just I, think I have a feeling great. it's it's pretty great. I, and I'm really, I mean, it's one of those movies now that's because of the pandemic. It's kind of, weren't we supposed to get it like a year ago? Yeah, something like that. I, I really want to see it. I thought the trailer was really intriguing. I can't wait. All right. Next up, uh, we have, where are we at? We're at Ming Chen who writes, if Vision isn't real, how was Sword able to track him? He's obviously made up of something tangible. Yeah, I've answered this question a, a bunch of times. Basically is this. Remember, when a car gets turned into a 1950s car, inside the hex, that's as real as a 1950s car gets when you're in that hex. It's, I mean, that's a 1950s car. My theory is this. When Wanda creates the vision in the hex, inside the hex, he's vibranium. Yeah. Now, 
the strongest metal in the universe. Now, when he goes outside of the hex, he becomes as flaky as a pastry and flies back in. But in the hex, inside that hex, he is as real as anything else is. And so that's kind of my theory of that. Again, just a theory, though. Uh, Dr. Doombot writes, one of two. Hey, John, hope you're doing well and enjoying the new house. I am loving the new house, as a matter of fact. Thank you for asking. After Minari winning the Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film, I, I, I was just telling Rob before the show, I have no idea who won Golden Globes other than Daniel Kaluuya. That's it. I don't care about the Golden Globes, whatever. So I have everything you're about to tell me is absolute news to me. Anyway, after Minari winning the Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film, I'm quickly losing respect for that award. USA produced, directed, and acted. Yes, some of it is in Korean, but if that's all it takes... Um, there's a lot of elig- eligible movies every year. This may not mean a lot to a U.S. audience, but to the rest of the world, these foreign language awards mean a lot. Oh, oh, well, here's to hoping another round takes the Oscar instead, uh, a real award anyway. Listen, you guys know my theory on my, my thoughts on the Golden Globes. You love the Golden, them, John. They're the one Golden of your Globes favorite. Are, they're a complete joke. They're an absolute <laughs> joke with no real they're they're as valuable as a paperweight. They put on a great show. I've always admitted that. The Golden Globes always put on a great show, a superior show to the Oscars, in my opinion. But their awards are meaningless. It is literally a group. Okay, Rob, again, the Academy, the Academy is made up of over 7,000 film professionals of every walk and discipline associated with the film industry you can think of. Directors, writers, cinematographers, musicians, costume designers, makeup artists, agencies and executives, uh, some journalists and all that kind of thing. It is 7,000 film professionals making up the Academy. The Hollywood Foreign Press, the group that runs the Golden Globes, I believe the number is now 82. It's 82 people who just happen to be film journalists that live in the U.S. but work for foreign publications. That's the qualifications to be a member of the Hollywood Foreign Press. You have to be a film journalist that lives in L.A., but you work for a foreign outlet. That's what it is. Then here's the kick, Rob. When you've got something, a voting body like 7,000 members, that means if you like send a brand new car to seven of the members, guess what? That won't mean anything because seven bad votes are going to get totally overwhelmed by the 7,000. With the Golden Globes, all you need to do is get 20 people to say, hey, you know what? We like our buddy over there. So let's make sure we vote for him. That's 25% of the vote for a golden globe award. Plus they have that ridiculous comedy or musical category that they just use as an excuse to nominate some more popular films. I mean, listen, the golden globes are a complete joke. They're a joke. I've, I don't care about them. I'll watch the show, but I never care about who wins what that's just don't that's, mince words. John, what do you really think? Yeah, that's just this is kind of my take on it. Anyway, uh, let's move on here. But uh, but Doombot, you raise a very valid thing. It's like again, they they don't care. They're gonna vote for whoever, whatever is gonna bring more attention to the Hollywood Foreign Press, and that's all they care about. And that's why it's I don't know. I just don't care about the Golden Globes. Anyway, uh, Initial D's writes, "Hey John, 
I bought the Google TV device uh, the day you said you liked it, and I have loved it since. I love this new Google TV, uh, this this new Chromecast TV with Google TV. I love it. It is now, it's kind of replaced the Roku as my streaming device of choice. Anyway, uh, I have loved it ever since day one. The only thing missing for me was the Apple TV app. Well, I found out last night it's available on there now. It's number one hands down. Thanks. Yeah, I've, I for the, for a while, I had to stream when I, when I wanted to watch something on Apple TV. I had to stream it from my iPad to the TV, which is fine. That works perfectly fine. But yes, it is now available on the uh, on that Chromecast app, and I love it, Initial Ds. I absolutely love it. It's still my favorite thing, and uh, I use it every single day. I'm glad you're enjoying it too, my friend. All right, next up, Ryan Loner writes, the really funny thing about the Ruby Rose situation is that the current Batwoman season is still desperately trying to convince us Kate could come back at any time. Guess they <laughs> didn't get the memo. That's the thing. I heard about this. Now, I, I am obviously not watching Batwoman, but I but I was reading about the new season and saying that whatever happened, what was her, uh, Kane, uh, Kate, is that her name? Kate, Kate Kane, yeah. Yeah. That the, the, where, what happened to Kate is still a mystery and like kind of teasing that she could come back and- Ruby Rose is not coming back, whether it's because she just simply will never do it or because they would never have her, whichever side you believe she ain't coming back. So I think that's kind of funny, Rob. What's your take on that? I agree. I think it's odd that I, I I'm like, why, why eliminate, you know, the removal of that character from the, from that, the crossover event stuff. It's just, it's so weird. It's just bizarre. All right, and Rob, I, I I keep losing track of time when we're having fun. I know we've kept you over time again. Rob, thank you so much for being here. We know you got things you got to do. You got you big important filmmaker. You you got properties <laughs> coming up. You got award nominations, and you got a thing coming out on Netflix. And look at you. But anyway, Rob, thanks for being here, man. We'll of course see you again tomorrow. But in the meantime, where can people follow you and all of your great stuff online? Well, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Burnett RM. Find me on Instagram on my na- at my name, Robert Meyer Burnett, or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work, and my show, Rob Observations. Rob, always a pleasure having you here, my friend, and I will talk to you again later, man. All right. Talk to you later. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, and we still have a bunch of time here, guys, so let's keep right on rolling through your questions. Joey writes, I live in North Carolina, and our theaters have been open for a while, and just like you, I believe Godzilla vs. Kong deserves to be seen on the biggest screen possible, but sadly, my closest IMAX is in a Regal. Do you think Regal will be open by March 31st? Yeah, I actually think they will. Like Once once the markets of New York and LA are open, which looks like that's coming fairly soon um i think regal is going to start opening their doors especially with the new case numbers continuing to drop um uh, vaccinations are happening at a much faster rate than they thought they were going to be able to do i think they will and now i i don't necessarily need to see godzilla versus kong on an imax screen i'm just absolutely committed to watching this warner brothers film on a movie screen like once i saw that trailer my favorite trailer since the logan trailer this has been, I think, the best trailer in years. It, it totally moved me from not even being all that interested in Godzilla vs. Kong to that's it. Even if I have to drive to Las Vegas, I am going to go watch this thing on a movie screen. So uh, I did, for me, it doesn't have to be an IMAX, but it's got to be a movie screen. So hopefully you're going to be able to get your wish there, Joey. All right, next up, uh, Dwayne Jackson writes, Hello, John and family. With J.J. Abrams now doing his version of Superman and Ta Nessie Coates with assigned to write it with a different take on the Man of Steel being of African uh, being of African-American, does Abram risk uh, 
risk of alienating the fans, even though Supes is alien. Well, there's a couple things to point out. Nowhere has anybody from Warner Brothers actually said they're making a black Superman. Let's be very clear about that. They they have not officially stated that. Now, you can interpret that, and maybe they will. Maybe they will. I mean, you guys know my take on this. Superman is not white. I'm sorry to break this to everybody. Superman's not white. Superman is an alien organism that has the appearance of a Caucasian white human. At least in many, not all, but in many of the comic book iterations of Superman, most of the comic book iterations of Superman, he is an alien organism that is not human, that has, coincidentally, the appearance of a Caucasian male. But at the end of the day, the color of his skin means absolutely nothing to the character. It means nothing to the character. It just doesn't. Superman could be Asian. It makes no difference to the character. He could be white. He could be black, whatever. Now, traditionally, he is white, although he has been black in the comics before. Um, It just doesn't matter. It just absolutely doesn't matter. Look, at the end of the day, um, we as audiences keep telling filmmakers, we want you to do things different. We want you to try something edgy and different and bold and try something original. But as soon as they ever talk about doing something really different and really bold and really original, then we go, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, I do that. I do that. I think you probably do that too. So look, at the end of the day, I don't care if Superman's white or black. Now, look, if I'm the producer of Superman, I'm staying more traditional. That That's just the way I would personally go. If I was the producer of Superman, I would probably go more traditional because that's just kind of, I kind of like the more traditional thing. And I would probably make him a white appearing Superman. Because remember, Superman is not white. He just appears white. I would probably go with the white appearing Superman. That was probably what I would do. But if they want to go in a different direction, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't change the character at all. It makes no difference. The color of Superman's skin has nothing to do with the core DNA of all the things that make Superman Superman. Not at all. So somebody has a problem with it, that's their problem. I would personally make a white Superman just because I'm traditional. They may very well still be doing a white Superman. But if they don't, who cares? There are a million other things that are far more important to who and what Superman is than the, the tone of the skin of this alien organism. There's a million things more important. So anyway, that's just kind of my take on it. We'll see, man. We'll see. All right. Next up, um, Ismail writes, I figured out the WandaVision cameo, a legendary actor everybody wants to work with. Why can't everyone, Why can't anyone see Ralph? He's going to be played by John Cena. You can't see him. He's been there the whole time. We just never knew. By the way, the John Cena, you can't see me gag never gets tired. I don't care. Never gets tired to me. All right. Dwayne Jackson writes, uh, do think Henry Cavill should be the new James Bond since Warner Brothers is not doing Man of Steel 2? Uh, did Warner Brothers sour on him? Did the bloom fall off the rose too quickly? Or is it he doesn't need to be Superman anymore? Uh, do you have uh, info on the Mass Effect project he's in? By the way, I, I'm not even sure that Mass Effect thing is 100% true. But I, I'm not saying it isn't. 
don't get me wrong. Um, look, here's the thing. If Warner Brothers moves away from Henry Cavill as Superman, and by the way, don't forget this, even if, and it's only if, but even if the new J.J. Abrams Superman is not going to use Henry Cavill, and they they still might, they still might. I'm not saying it's likely, I'm not saying they're going to, but even if they don't use Henry Cavill, that does not automatically mean that Henry Cavill won't still be a Superman in other DC movies. We have multiple Batman now in DC movies. So just remember that. I'm not saying that's what's happening for sure, but just remember, even if J.J. isn't using Henry Cavill, other filmmakers may use Henry Cavill in other films. They could make this new Superman just like they're doing the Robert Pattinson Batman, something that's separate from the rest of the DCEU. So we could still have Henry Cavill as Superman. But listen, if, and and this is important, if they move away from Henry Cavill as Superman, it would have nothing to do with them not liking Henry Cavill. Here's the reality. You guys know, as you can only see him, like, right, there, there he is. There he is right there. There he is right there. See that? I got my I got my Henry Cavill Superman standee sitting here watching over us, right? You guys know what I think of Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. You guys know what I think of those films. I love those films. Uh, Man of Steel more than Batman versus Superman, but nonetheless. But it doesn't matter that I love those movies. It doesn't matter. When you're a business executive, the thing is, what type of success have we had? Man of Steel underperformed. Nobody's saying that's Henry Cavill's fault. But Man of Steel underperformed. Half the audience hated it and half the critics hated it. I don't know why, but they did. Then we had him in Batman versus Superman. A lot of the critics and a lot of the audience did not like that iteration of Superman. That's not Henry Cavill's fault. But if you're a Warner Brothers executive, you got, the, the actor is not the most important thing. If you're a, a, an executive at Warner Brothers, I could understand why your thought would be, listen, this iteration of Superman didn't work. We love Henry. It's not Henry's fault. But if we want to get rejuvenized Superman, we need to put in a different actor so people will associate a new actor with a new start. And it has nothing to do with not liking Henry Cavill. Obviously, Warner Brothers really likes Henry Cavill. And I think Warner Brothers wants to stay in the Henry Cavill business, but that doesn't necessarily mean Superman. Obviously, you know what I want. I want, I think Henry Cavill's the greatest Superman we've ever had. And yes, I include Christopher Reeve in that. I know that's sacrilegious to some people, but I think Henry Cavill's the greatest Superman we've ever had. And so obviously, I want to see him continue. But if they don't, it's understandable why they don't. And it has nothing to do with their faith in or or love of Henry Cavill. has nothing to do with it. If people don't like a certain iteration of a character and you want to disassociate the audience from that version, then the first thing you got to do is change the actor. Not because you didn't think that actor was great, but because you're trying to create a new association. So again, but right now we don't know what's happening. We do not know what's happening right now. Maybe Cavill is in J.J. Abrams' Superman. 
Probably not, but maybe he is. And if he's not, he might still be Superman in other DC movies. Maybe yes, maybe no. We just don't know. So let's not jump to any conclusions yet. Let's not jump to any conclusions yet. All right, next up. Um, uh, Big Johnny writes, I know you think Billy and Tommy are due for a sad ending. I do, but I'm not sure. And since this is Disney, uh, I have a thought. How about a spinoff show aimed at kids for them as a part of the MCU? Kids with powers are popular shows. Kevin Feige doesn't seem interested in that. Now, as far as the Disney, it's a Disney ending. Guess what? Infinity War ended with half of the people, billions of people being killed. Billions of people being wiped out of existence and being snapped away. So Disney may be a little more willing to go to some darker places than we traditionally think of Disney doing. I'm not saying it's definite. And by the way, the kids may survive uh, WandaVision. I don't think they will, but they could. And by the way, they may age up again to grown-ass men before this show is done. I don't know. I, I'm just theorizing. But my theory right now is still that they won't make it out of the show. But they they could. They absolutely could, Big Johnny. All right, next up. Uh, Michael Morgan writes, Wow, John, I can't believe that JJ and Warner Brothers are being so cited in hiring Ta Nahisi Coates to write a new Superman movie. This is the person who called 9-11 responders uh, menaces of nature. His anti-white agenda has no place in a Superman movie here. I'm, I'm not going to get in any, any, I'm not getting into anybody's political positions. I'm not getting into any TMZ stuff. Don't care. I'm here to talk about movies and, and whatever. So I'm not getting into that. Uh, all due respect, Michael, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. That's not what I want my channel to be about. All right. James uh, Betha writes, one of three. I believe that Evan Peters is not a bad guy in disguise. Agatha, when turning bug into bird, used a completely different spell than the one she put on Peters. I believe she made it clear that she is controlling him, eliminating her son, eliminating her son. Got it. Uh, eliminating her son. Uh, hold on a second. Sorry, I just got it thing is stuck for a second. Let me see if I can unstuck it. Uh, it didn't unstuck. Hold on a second. Now it unstuck. Um, uh, I believe that Evan Peters get eliminating her son or any big bad. Also, if it was Mephisto or someone, why would they need Agatha's help to trick Wanda uh, or be controlled? I don't believe that it's some random guy who lives in town because what a coincidence it would be that this guy has super speed. Uh, leave me to believe that he's from the Fox universe. I think Feige will use them the same way that Sony possibly is using Toby and Andrew. We know they aren't making new movies. So why can't Feige do the same here? Uh, blah, 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 blah to the universe, but not his X-Men. Um, I mean, look. Is it still possible that Evan Peters is the Fox X-Men universe Quicksilver? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's still possible. That's absolutely still possible. It completely is. I still don't think it is, mainly because I still take Kevin Feige at his word. Kevin Feige said, I'm not bringing in any X-Men stuff until my five-year plan is done, which included WandaVision. Now, you could argue, hey, John, Kevin Feige's human. He could have changed his mind. Absolutely. 
If I didn't think he could change his mind, I would say it's not possible that Evan Peters is the Fox X-Men universe version of Quicksilver. But he is human. He may have changed his mind. But for now, I'm I'm sticking with, until he shows us otherwise, I am taking Kevin Feige at his word. Until he shows us otherwise. So, there. look, the, what is clear, though, here is there are still answers we need about Quicksilver. Right? There are still answers. He could very well be a random guy. Well, why would he coincidentally look like that? Because it would be a massive misdirect. It would be a massive fan thing that everybody would talk about. It would be brilliant. It would be absolutely brilliant casting. Uh, But again, there are possibilities. We'll see. We'll find out. We are only now, what, like 60, 60 and a half hours, 60 and one half hours away from the final episode of WandaVision, and we'll get our answers. I am still sticking with that he is not the Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men universe. I mean, I'm still sticking with that. But I still completely acknowledge it is very much a possibility. I'm just, if I had to put my two bucks down, I'm putting it on not from the Fox X-Men universe. We'll find out, though. We will find out. Um, Okay, let's move on here. Um, Andy Newton writes, uh, what is love of movies if not John Campia persevering? A little bit of a twist there on uh, on the uh, on the vision line. I love the vision line. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. So anyway, there's that. All right, next up, uh, Colossus of Clout writes, Hey, John. Uh, first time tipper. Thanks for being here, Colossus. Appreciate that. At the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, we get a cameo from J.K. Simmons. Was this a hint at Multiverse of Madness or just a fun cameo? Uh, would everyone be consciously aware of the changes that the madness created? Love the show. Well, here's the thing, Colossus. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, we don't know. But this is what we do know. J.K. Simmons told the story about how that whole cameo thing happened. And how it happened leads me to think it really didn't have anything to do, um, anything to do with multiverse, because it was literally a last second thing. He actually tells the story about how the reason why, because you notice in that that post credit scene in Far From Home, he doesn't have that famous iconic J. Jonah Jameson hair, right? He's just bald, right? The reason that was J.K. You can go look up J.K. Simmons tells his story is the reason that was, was because it was literally a last second thing. They, I think it was like the day before they contacted him and said, Hey, you want to come? We had this idea. You want to come in and do this? Like it was just totally for fun. And they literally did not have enough time to get a proper J Jonah Jameson, um, uh, wig together. And so they had to make a decision at the last second. So should we just do it with him bald or should we wait or should we just not do it at all and they made the decision to just go ahead and do it without the wig because it was a last second thing to do now i don't know if that proves anything to be clear i I don't know if that proves anything but to me it kind of implies that they didn't have any big plan for why they were doing the jay jonah thing i think they just thought it would be a really fun thing to throw in but i don't know well i mean we'll have to see we'll have to see next up tony rodriguez writes okay one of two 
So like I said, Agnes is 100% real. Yep, turns out she is. I was suspecting that she wasn't. I was buying into that theory, but she is. Uh, now the person Bettany hasn't worked with is himself. I heard a lot of people say that. Fake vision versus the white one. Uh, he's never done that before. That being said, happy birthday, and thank you for always getting to every question sent to you. Oh, listen, it's my it's my honor and privilege to get to every question that gets sent in. Uh, and I love the questions that you guys send. And again, I still think there's a cameo coming. I don't know who, I don't know what, I don't know what they're going to be, but I, I don't think Paul Bettany was talking about himself as a lot of people have joked. I think it's still coming. Um, uh, Jesse? I don't know where your second one is, Tony, so maybe we'll just come to it. All right, Jesse writes, a video game recommendation. What Remains of Edith Finch's is a narrative-focused uh, game. I've heard about that game. Uh, focused game by Annapurna Interactive about a young girl who returns to her childhood home to uncover the secrets of her ancestors' death and the supposed curse that haunts them. Uh, it's a beautiful, melancholic look into mortality, and with it clocking in just around three hours, it's a perfect game to play through in one or two sittings, and it's available on all platforms. Here's the interesting thing. I was watching, because I just recently got, um, uh, what did I, I got Xbox Game Pass. I just recently bought the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, because it's just a great sounding deal. 15 bucks a month, I get to play games on... You know, my my phone, I get to uh, uh, play them on my PC. I don't even have to own an Xbox because I think I'm going to try to get a PS5. And I was watching some videos. Uh, I got to, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole and I was watching some videos on, you know, best games to play 2020, 2021. You know, it's trying to get a lay of the land. What's some of the stuff I should look at getting? And this was one of the games that was brought up. So that is something I'm going to have to keep in mind. I will keep that in mind. And hold a second. I'm going to... Uh, time out somebody in the uh, live chat who just constantly is is shouting and, and putting things in uh, in capital letters. So I'm just going to time them out for a bit. All right. Anyway, uh, so thank you for for keeping for for the recommendation, Jesse, because, again, I have been hearing about this and I'm going to I'm going to look into that because I like especially love the idea of something you can just like play through in one or two sittings. I think that sounds really good. Um, OK, next up, we've got Tony Rodriguez who writes. Uh, no one else on YouTube does that period as much as I love Rob and his format on his channel. Sorry, where, where do we? Okay, Tony, you got to put two of two so I know where we're talking about. Um, where are we at here? Uh, no one else on YouTube does that period as much as I love Rob and his format on his channel, two or three. Uh, but thank you for the community, both of you guys. And I know I don't send in a lot uh, and hope you consider me a regular. This is my number one and two Rob movie channels. Well, thank you so much for that, Tony. Listen, just love the fact that you're here also then three or three. I'm also a masterpiece Transformers collector. Nice. So keep bringing the filthy and have a better day. P.S. Sorry, I had to make this a three of three last minute. No problem. Thank you for doing it. Listen, honestly, just thank you for being here and thank you for the kind words. It's always nice when people want to send in something just to say something encouraging. And we appreciate that very much, man. Thank you so much. All right, next up. Uh, Suthius uh, uh, is a two of two. I'm not sure where the first one was. Uh, is it possible that some of the power of the Mind Stone was absorbed by Wanda? Yes. Uh, the same way some of the power of the Tesseract was absorbed into Carol. This could explain how Wanda was able to create vision as well as we saw the Yellowstone essence, except for... There's nothing about the Mind Stone creating anything. But if you did notice, the power that came out of Wanda as Vision was being created was the yellow color of the Mind Stone. I feel like, and you guys can, can disagree with me here, and, and I could be wrong, but it feels like 
in that scene where Wanda was in the Hydra thing and she had her encounter with the stone, remember they're saying, just walk up to the stone and touch it. The stone came to her. It's like the stone chose her and then showed her a vision of her future self. So yeah, I completely believe that you're right. I think she absorbs some of that power, much like Carol got a lot of her power from one of the stones, which might be why Carol and Scarlet Witch might be the two most powerful characters in the MCU. Maybe yes, maybe no, but we will find out. But I, I definitely think you're onto something there, Suthius. I really do. Um, next up, Anthony M.R. writes, so I bit the bullet and finally got Marvel's Avengers for PS4 at the sale price. To be fair, I didn't actually have to pay because I still had the gift card money from Christmas. It's pretty fun so far, and there's a free PS5 upgrade on March 18th with Hawkeye downloadable content. You know what's funny? I still remember when that game finally got released because they were pumping this up. Marvel's Avengers video game, right? And then when the first footage dropped and they looked like, I think... Everybody, if you guys remember this, everybody was expecting that when they're saying Marvel's the Avengers video game, a lot of people were expecting that the characters to look like the movie versions and sound like the movie versions. In their defense, they never said that's what it was going to be, but that's what everybody was expecting. And so I remember when the first footage came out and they looked nothing like them. I mean, a lot of people were kind of put off by that. A lot of people were kind of put off by that. And I think maybe then never gave the game a shot uh, despite that. But I might have to try that one at some point, Anthony. Thanks for sharing that. Next up, uh, Bruce Buffer's Buffer writes, Hello, John. It's time. The first big UFC card is here. Who do you got in the matchup? Uh, Sterling versus Peter Yan. Oddly enough, I know a lot of people putting money on Sterling. I think Peter Yan is a guy people sleep on. I think Peter Yan is a bad, bad man. And while I love Sterling, I'm actually going to go Peter Yan on this. Uh, Anderson versus Amanda Nunez. It's always Amanda Nunez. Uh, and Yan versus Israel, the uh, the style bender. Man, I don't know. That is a tough one. First of all, let me say this. Style bender um, is... Adesanya is remarkable, but he's middleweight. I don't like a person in another weight division just being given a title shot in a different weight division. Like, call me crazy, but I think if the middleweight champion wants a shot at the light heavyweight champion... I think the middleweight champion needs to beat one or two highly ranked contenders in the light heavyweight division to earn that shot. I, I felt the same way about, I feel the same way about all the super fights. I just kind of feel like if, if you are a champion of one division and you want a title shot at another division, you should beat at least one or two top contenders in that other division first. I, I don't know. I know a lot of people love the super fights and that's great, but that's just kind of feel about it. But I don't know, man, we're seeing, listen, Adesanya is moving up a weight class. He's now fighting a much bigger, much more powerful man in Jan than he is used to fighting. It's hard to bet against style bender, but I would, to me, this one's a push. I honestly don't know who to go for in this one. I, I it's an absolute push. So, because we saw in style benders fight against Romero, he was he had to be way more cautious because of Romero's power, right? 
Romero is a big, powerful, athletic dude. Now he's stepping up a weight, and he's fighting a guy in Yan who is bigger and stronger than anybody else he's ever fought. So it's it's going to be interesting. I, to me, it's a push. All right, next up. Uh, an anonymous viewer writes, one or two. Hey, John, how are you? And hope you had a fantastic birthday. I did have a fantastic birthday. Thank you. Anyway, I feel like people will be disappointed if there is no big cameo in the final episode of WandaVision. However, with me, I feel like uh, I'm fine if Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany uh, we're just trolling everybody and Bettany is the person he always wanted to work with because I feel like not having a big cameo will make or break this series because it has been fine without it. Do you feel like this series really needs a big cameo or not? Oh no, it absolutely doesn't need a big cameo. Nope. No fucking way. It doesn't, doesn't need to have a big cameo. It doesn't need it. Now, I get if people were expecting some big cameo and if it doesn't come, if they initially feel disappointed, that's fine. But the quality of a show is not measured by if you have big cameos. This show is awesome. And if the final episode maintains that level of awesomeness and it has no cameo or big reveal, and I think there will be, but if there's not, doesn't change anything. This show has been magnificent. And if the final episode is of the same level of quality, I might be surprised for him. It's like, wow, so there was no big reveal. Okay, that episode was awesome regardless. And so we'll see. Uh, we'll see uh, where things go with that. And, uh, and we'll go from there. All right, next up. Uh, Yo, Adrian writes, happy belated birthday, John. Thank you so much. Hope you had an awesome birthday weekend. No worries. I'll anchor your weekend with my epic 43rd trip around the sun today. So it sounds like you are also having... Uh, also having your, uh, your birthday there. Congratulations to you, sir. I hope you have a magnificent one and I hope you have a great day or a great year ahead of yourself as well, my friend. All right. Uh, next up we've got, uh, matches Malone writes, Hey, John and Rob, Rob's not here right now. When DC Fandom came out, I thought it was great to have separate uh, versions of characters like Marvel. Then Marvel presentation in December comes, and I'm thinking this is great. Everything ties in. Now I have no idea what DC is doing. What are your thoughts? Well, I don't know. Like, on the one hand, one of the things that I love about what DC is doing is, and this goes all the way back to... um to Comic-Con of a couple of years ago when they made the big announcement that we were getting a Joker movie that was completely separate from uh, everybody else. And it was completely separate from everything else in the DC universe. And I remember thinking to for myself, that was the most exciting thing in comic book movie news I had heard in a long time. Because... I don't like the trend that every single fucking thing that comes out has to be tied into the same cinematic universe. Like what happened to great standalone stories and individual movies, right? So I love that DC had the testicular fortitude to say, you know what? We're going to make a Joker movie and it's not going to be tied into Batman and it's not going to be tied into the rest of the DC cinematic universe. It's its own movie because we think we have a really interesting story to tell. And they did it. And I love that DC has that that 
boldness to say, you know what? We've got a great idea for Batman. Matt Reeves has this great idea for Batman, but it's going to require being outside of the DCU. It's going to be its own standalone thing. And they could tie it in with multiverse later if they want. But I love that they're doing that. And to me, that's really exciting. So again, it comes down to, as it often does in the DC versus Marvel ridiculous conversation, is there's no one formula. Marvel's going to do things their way, and it can be awesome. And DC can do it a completely different way, and it could be awesome. Like, I'm just so tired of hearing people saying DC needed to follow Marvel's formula. No, they didn't. They just needed to make great movies. Marvel needs to do this. No, they don't. They just need to make great movies. That's been the key. The key to Marvel's success has not been their formula. The key to Marvel's success is that they continue to crank out really good movies that people enjoy. And as long as you crank out good movies that people enjoy, you're going to be successful. So anyway, that's just kind of my take on it at any rate. All right, next up. Um, uh, Chizzy uh, G. Crunch writes, uh, chances Raimi gets to do Spider-Man 3, how much box office could it do? Um, chances Raimi gets to do Spider-Man 3? They're already making Spider-Man 3, and it's with John Watts. And so I'm not exactly sure what it is. I'm not exactly sure what it is because Raimi already did do a Spider-Man 3. And if you're talking about this Spider-Man 3, they've already got a director and they're almost done shooting it. So, yeah, I'm not not exactly sure what we're talking about there. Anyway, next up, Simon Blakemore writes, hey, John and Rob. Rob's not here right now. Uh, how's it going? I thought it was cool that Warner Brothers did a video on the fans reacting to the Mortal Kombat trailer just to say thank you for making the trailer the most viewed red band trailer of all time. Well, let's they're not the first people to do that, right? Like a lot of movies have made collage uh, videos of other people reacting to their movie trailers. It's not the first time that that's done, but I got to say, I do get a kick out of those. And that was a pretty damn good trailer. That Mortal Kombat trailer was pretty damn good. I don't know if the movie's going to be complete garbage or not, but the trailer was a lot of fun and the trailer made me go, yeah, I got to go to, even if I have to drive to Vegas, I got to go see this uh, Mortal Kombat on a, uh, on a big screen too. So there's that. All right. Kevin Rubio, a friend of ours here writes, I believe the reported desire to depict Superman as black, uh, the Hollywood reporter. I remember the one that there was speculated. It was speculated, uh, has more to do with Siegel versus time Warner, 2005 decision. And that time Warner not wanting to share profits and less to do with uh, diversity. Rob can lend insight. Well, Rob's not here right now. Um, that would be, if that's true, that because if you make a different depiction of Superman than the one by the original creators, one of which was Canadian, by the way. So you see, Superman is a good Canadian kid. Just saying. Anyway, um, if their decision, because, you know, I said a little bit earlier, I don't care if you make Superman white or black. He's not white or black. He's an alien organism. What, what, what color tone, what pigmentation the skin of this alien organism takes is irrelevant to me. I don't care. But I would say if their motivation behind changing the iteration of Superman is simply to deprive the estates of the creators of the character of a cut of the film, I will be very disappointed in Warner Brothers if that's the case. I would be very disappointed in Warner Brothers if that's the case. I mean, 
who know we'll never know what their true motivations are kev but man if that's true i'm gonna be very very disappointed in them but anyway that's just me all right next up man of steel two prayer warrior writes the lord has answered his servants humbled prayers i love cavill but i'm just glad that they're making another superman film uh you think they're going to they're going with an actor of color. You called it, bro. Been a fan since you and Amy Rose was kicking up dust. Um, I, I mean, I honestly don't know. I mean, on, obviously, we've been talking for a couple of years, ever since the Michael B. Jordan rumors were around of Michael B. Jordan maybe playing Superman. Uh, this idea that they could be trying a different iteration of Superman, where instead of this alien organism skin looking white, this alien skin color may look black which again, to me, makes no effing difference. But uh, if they want to try something different, maybe they will. Look, I, I, will, I will give anything a chance. I mean, let's just see how it goes. As long as you treat the character with respect, unlike CW and what they've done with their Superman, if you treat your, the Superman character with respect, then you got me on board. I don't care if he's got blonde hair, brown eyes, white, black, Asian. I don't care. As long as you get the fundamentals of who and what Superman is right, and you treat that character with the respect that the God, the Godfather of all superhero characters deserves, then I'm fine. I'm good with it. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, next up, Joe Martin writes, Hello, everyone. I've been away for three months and two weeks. Uh, took your advice, John, and followed my dream. Now I'm proud to say I'm part of the uh, United States Marine Corps. Just graduated yesterday. Congratulations, man. Uh, now, in short, what the heck have I missed out on? A lot of stuff. There's been a lot of stuff. But honestly, Joe, first of all, first of all, good on you. If you had a goal and a dream and you went out and pursued it, then congratulations, you're part of a very small percentage of people who actually decide to get off their butt and go and chase what it is they want to do. So good on you for that. And uh, very few more noble services than that to get involved in something that's for the benefit of your country and the protection of your country. So good on you all around, Joe Martin. And thanks for writing in and sharing. And yeah, you missed out on a lot. You got a lot to get catch up on, brother. All right, next up. Uh, King of Humility writes, Hey, John, what do you think this means for the DCEU? I hope they keep him as Clark Kent, if you're talking about uh, Henry Cavill. I hope they keep him as Clark Kent. I'm black myself. I'm not trying to see them change soups into Leroy Shabazz from, from Compton, LOL. And what was with those reports about Cavill signing on for movies? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Remember a little bit earlier, I was saying this. If the new J.J. Abrams Superman doesn't use Henry Cavill. And we don't know for sure that they're not. But if they don't use J.J. Abrams, uh, use Henry Cavill for J.J. Abrams Superman, that doesn't mean they can't still use Henry Cavill as Superman in other movies. We have multiple Batman right now. We got the Robert Pattinson Batman in his own kind of pocket universe world. We've got Ben Affleck, at least for one little appearance. We got Ben Affleck coming into the Flash movie. I mean, they they could do the same thing with Superman. They could say that J.J. Abrams' Superman is like the Robert Pattinson Batman. It's separate from the DCEU. It's outside of the Aquaman and Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, and all that kind of stuff. It's its own thing, just like Robert Pattinson's The Batman is its own thing. But within the main pipeline, they could still use Henry Cavill. I'm not saying they are. I have no information on if they are or not. But referring back to those stories, that could very well be what they're doing. So yes, we could get a brand new Superman 
And yes, we could still still have Henry as our other universe's Superman. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, next up, uh, Calum Illing writes, Hey, John, just rewatched the Miss Marvel Disney Plus trailer and noticed a man that looks just like Paul Sung Hyung. Oh, Mr. Kim. Uh, sitting at the dinner table talking to Kamala Khan. His name isn't attached to the project, but this man looks just like him. I did not notice that myself, but anything that brings Mr. Kim from one of my favorite shows right now, Kim's Convenience, that show is so good. Uh, And of course, he was just popped up in The Mandalorian. I love Paul Lee. And um, yeah, if that's true, I'm going to have to go and look that up myself. I'm going to go and look for that a little bit later, Caleb, and see if that's true, because if that's true, that is awesome. Max B writes, who do you got this Saturday? Give me your winners for the championship fights versus UFC 29. Well, we just covered that. And I kind of, I mean, obviously Nunez, any, anybody, there's nobody right now on the planet. A fluke can happen in any fight. A fluke can happen in any fight. I mean, Matt Sarah beat George St. Pierre once a fluke can happen in any fight, uh, for sure. But other than a fluke, unless the person Amanda Nunez is fighting, happens to be named Valentina, then there's nobody on the planet who can beat her. And Valentina probably can't beat Amanda, but I mean, they've, they've fought before to a decision a couple of times, but unless the person standing across from Amanda Nunez outside of a fluke chance, there's no woman on the planet who can beat her right now. I mean, she's savage. She is pure savage Val I would love to see another fight with her and Valentina I mean there's just there's just Valentina Shishenko and and Amanda Nunez are like they're in a different class like there's every female fighter in the world and then there's a different level for Valentina and Amanda and that's why I, I would personally love to see those two fight again but eh, it's just me all right, uh, and Amanda probably wins that fight too. Uh, Sergeant Ward writes, Hey, John, do you think we're going to get another DC Phantom event? Yes. Uh, after the success of the last one, it would be a good idea. Do you agree? Yeah, I, th- I totally think they will. Especially with us not quite being out of the pandemic yet. I think they will do another one. I think they should because the last one was really good. They did a really bang up job putting that thing together. I was a little skeptical when it was where they were making announcements about what was coming, but it turned out to be a really good event. They did a, a very, very good job. And uh, they could do it again. But you know what? I think next year, I think they're just straight up going to make it a real live in-person event. Like this year, I think they do it digitally again. But next year, I bet they're going to they're going to keep that momentum going by making it an act, still stream it and everything, but also make it a live in-person event because the digital virtual streaming is great and everything, but nothing matches the energy, excitement, and electricity when you are doing it in a room with a thousand or 6,000 other people, nothing comes close to it. And so I think they should do another one virtually this year. And then next year, Still stream it completely, but also have it in person. I I think that would be terrific for them to do. Anyway, uh, next up, uh, Michael Brandy writes, 
Hey, John, I've been a fan since the movie blog. Wow. Like going all the way back to my movie blog days. That has been for a while, Michael. First article I read was Gambit rumored to be an X-Men 2. Uh, I'm also a former neighbor being from Buffalo, New York. I used to drive into Buffalo all the time because Buffalo, New York was just a hop, skip and a jump from Hamilton, Ontario. Like it was literally just right across the border. And uh, we used to go into Buffalo to do some shopping sometimes. Normally, when I would go into Buffalo, it would be to go watch Sabre games because it was a lot easier and a lot cheaper to get Sabre tickets than it was to get Toronto Maple Leaf tickets, believe me. Uh, but I love Buffalo. Anyway, living in Florida now, and I took the time to see Judas and the Black Messiah in theaters. Did you see it? Loved it. It was fantastic. I was a little bit late to the party um on it but ann and i we we had that locked and we wanted to watch it finally saw it now the only winner from the golden globes i'm aware of i have no idea who won anything at the golden globes because i just don't care but the one thing i did here was that daniel kaluo did win for that and it's like that his performance in that look i think we all knew he was good some of us knew he was very good when we see him in like uh get out and we see him, I mean, I've seen Black Panther, some other things, but this was his, this was his calling card. This was his calling card. This was, this was the performance that put Hollywood on notice to say, like, Hey, I'm not just a good, reliable actor. I'm something special. Now I'm not saying he's Chiwetel Ejiofor. I'm not saying he's Del- Denzel Washington, but this this was his calling card and putting everybody in Hollywood on notice. I'm not just a good, solid, reliable actor. I'm something special. And uh, I think this was the movie that was uh, that did it for him. Anyway, uh, next up, we've got uh, BK Dan writes, I can see both yours and Rob's sides with the AMC CEO and his $3.75 million bonus. I think he should have publicly taken the money and donated it in its entirety to charity. Win-win. He gets to write off the charity and get the money too. Again, I think, number one, it was completely asinine of AMC to even be giving out these special bonuses when the in, your company is still in the weeds, the entire industry is suffering, and you furloughed 30,000 employees, and you hand out a $3.75 billion bonus to your CEO? Well, it's been really difficult to lead our company through these times. Yeah, that's why you pay the guy $9 million a year. I expect him to do his damn job for $9 million a year. It's like, whoo, you did your job. Here's four million more. Anyway, I think, first of all, it was asinine to AMC to even approve those bonuses. And then secondly, if you're the leader of this organization and you make $9 million a year, at the very minimum, what I think this moron Adam Aaron should have done, and he is a moron, he's an absolute moron. What I think this idiot should have done is he should have said, Um, at minimum should have gone, Hey, thank you very much, but we're still in deep water right now. I would like to defer that bonus. So guess what? He would still get the bonus, but just say, you know what? I would like to defer this bonus until we're up and running and healthy again. I think that would have been a really nice leadership move on his part. He still gets the money. It's just he's saying, I'm not going to take $4 million from the company right now until our employees are back to work, 
Our company has its head above water again, and we are running and operating and showing movies and having companies customers come in. When we get there, I will gladly accept that $4 million bonus. I think that would have been a smarter thing to do. First, but AMC should have never even offered the bonus. Anyway, sorry. I don't want to get off on a giant rant about this again. Um, I don't want to go off on the big rant of that again. Anyway, uh, Thanos writes, hey, John, first time tipping. Well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you supporting the show. Uh, a question of mine was one of the main topics on an episode last year, which was cool. Oh, very nice. So you got in one of your emails, got in as one of our main topics. That's awesome. I want to say I appreciate all you and the John Campia crew do here and the great community we have. Keep bringing the filthy. Thank you so much, man. It's always, like I said, it's always really nice and touching when somebody writes in just to say something nice and supportive and encouraging. And I really appreciate that, man. Um, I really appreciate that and uh, and appreciate you very much. So thank you so much for that. Uh, Thanos also writes, by the way, I watched your film movie trailers and I enjoyed it quite a bit, a lot. Kudos. Thank you so much, man, for checking out my movie. And again, I will once again take this opportunity to plug it. Uh, my documentary, Movie Trailers, A Love Story, is available right now worldwide, wherever you live, just go to vimeo.com slash on demand slash movie trailers and you can get it there. You can buy it or rent it there. But also if you live in the US or the UK, you can also get it on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and then search for movie trailers, a love story. And from there, you'll be able to either buy or rent the movie and watch it there. And thank you again to everybody who has already done so. So thanks for giving me a chance to plug it there, Thanos. I appreciate that. Next up, uh, Nick Nowfrights. Hey, John, with just one episode left, what do you think about the possibility of Marvel introducing the big bad in post credit scene, like how they introduced Thanos in Avengers, considering WandaVision is part one of a trilogy? Well, no, I WandaVision isn't really part one of a trilogy per se. What Kevin Feige said is that WandaVision, Spider-Man 3, and Doctor Strange 2 is part of one story arc. But I think there's a difference between that and a proper trilogy. You know what I mean? So there's that. I don't know if you introduce the next big bad of phase four in the post credits of a Disney plus show. I, th you know what I think? I think there's a possibility we get a look at the next big bad in the post credits of black widow, but John black widow is a prequel. I know. Black Widow is a prequel. So you show us that the next big bad of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has actually been around a little while. And you show that in Black Widow. Personally, I think that makes a little bit more sense. I think that makes a little bit more sense. Um, and uh, and we'll see. We'll see where that goes. But we'll see. You might be right, Nick. You might be right. All right. Next up, Sergeant Ward writes. Uh, Zack Snyder says the Snyder cut will end with a massive cliffhanger. I know he said there are no plans to move forward with, uh, to move forward with, but it sounds like the movie is begging for a sequel. Uh, we're not going to get, what are your thoughts? Uh, exactly that. Look, Zack Snyder is putting out the movie that, that he always envisioned the first justice league to be. And that justice league movie was going to end on a big cliffhanger. So instead of taking the cliffhanger out, he is presenting this Justice League the way he always intended to present it with a few changes here and there that he did along the way. Uh, but that doesn't change anything. 
It doesn't change anything. They made this knowing this was the last one he was making. As a matter of fact, in the same interview that Zack Snyder mentioned that this ends on a big cliffhanger, he reaffirms that it's not going to go anywhere. We're not making another one. He reaffirmed it in the exact same interview. But um, yeah, listen, if this is the way that his movie was originally going to end, then that is the way this one should end, even if it doesn't ultimately go anywhere. So uh, yeah, I think I, I think Zack Snyder explained it himself very well. I think he laid it out and explained it very well. All right, uh, next up, Mr. Intellectual writes, as you and I know, art is subjective. It absolutely is. Uh, should a college professor, uh, you know, we've had this exact, we, this same question has been brought up like eight times, so I, I'm not going to address it again. Uh, BK Dan writes, theory time on WandaVision. Uh, who do you think is the FBI witness protection person that is mentioned way back on episode four is? I, I've answered this before. I don't think it, I don't think it has any relevance to the movie or to the show. I don't think it has any relevance to the show. I honestly won't be surprised if they're never mentioned again. I think that somebody who happens to be in this town, happened to be in the witness protection program, is completely irrelevant to the story of WandaVision, and it was only a plot device to give us a reason why the FBI and why Jimmy Woo was there in the first place. Because why was Jimmy Woo at Westview? I don't know. Let's say he had somebody in witness protection, and he had to go and check up on them, and he can't find them. I, I honestly think that's all it was. Do you notice they never mentioned it's the, the whole idea of somebody who happens to be in town just happens to be somebody in witness protection. Do you notice the show hasn't mentioned them at all since it, they like, it hasn't been mentioned again at all since they've never once again, ever mentioned this witness protection person again. And I don't think they will. So that's, that's where I think that's going now. I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe Evan Peters is the missing witness protection person. I don't know. But my guess, as it has been from the start, is that the witness protection person is probably absolutely inconsequential and probably won't even be mentioned again. But we'll find out in like 60 hours. In about 60 hours, we'll find out. All right, next up. Uh, Always Sketchy writes, and tips in like $20. Thank you, Always Sketchy, for supporting the channel on that level, man. Spider-Man 3. I agree Peter's identity won't be a big issue. They can always just use a scroll to show up uh, as Peter while Spider-Man is there at the same time to clear Peter's name, right? Yep, that's exactly what I said a few days ago, always sketchy, that this whole Spider-Man identity thing would be is going to be very, very easy for them to just correct. Just have a government agency come out and say, no, we can confirm that Peter Parker is not Spider-Man. Or just have Talos take on the shape as a scroll of Peter Parker. This is what I said the other day. While the real Spider-Man swings around, you see them both at the same time. I mean, it's actually so easy for them to fix that I don't think, I don't know this, just to be clear, I don't know this, I'm just guessing, but I don't think Peter's identity thing is even going to be a, an issue in this movie. Like there are some people who think the entire movie is going to be about Peter trying to get back his secret identity. I personally think that's going to have almost nothing to do with the movie. I think it'll be addressed at some point very quickly, and then they'll move on from it. Now, I could be way wrong about that. That's just me pulling speculation out of my ass. But I agree with you, Always Sketchy. It seems like a really, really easy fix. It seems like a really, really easy fix. All right. Next up, Bojax writes, Hey, John. You mentioned that Cap, Tony, etc. don't get a say about Vision's body, but the government does. Didn't Ultron play 
didn't Ultron pay Claw in order to get the vibranium to create Vision? How does Vision fall under U.S. government jurisdiction at all? Oh, just because they say he does. It's just that simple. The government says, that's a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, we're taking that. That there, that is a sentient vibranium synthesoid weapon of mass destruction. And they'd be right. And they're saying, yeah, we're taking that. Thank you very much. Especially under the Sokovian Accords, right? Under the Accords, that would be like a no-brainer. So that's how they would claim and kind of take jurisdiction over that. Whether that's exactly what happened or not, I'm not sure. But that's that's kind of the way I'm seeing it, Bojang, especially when you consider the Accords. All right, next up. Uh, let's see. Mike from Poland writes, Universe was created from chaos. So chaos magic is a key to creation. Maybe. Uh, I mean, they didn't actually say that. We're kind of implying that. But just to be clear. Um, It could work for keeping Vision and kids outside of the Hex, but if two Visions and kids die, Wanda can create a Hex slash multiverse of madness, literally. Crossing Hex changes DNA, so we get X-Men. Again, I don't think... Look, every single Marvel property that has come out in the last three years, everybody says, this one's where they're going to bring an X-Men. This one's going to bring an X-Men. And they never have. And I don't think they're about to start now. But, 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 by the time we get to Doctor Strange 2, that will have been four years since Kevin Feige said, I've already got my five years planned out. We'll be getting close to the five years. So in Multiverse of Madness, maybe, maybe, because at that point, you're getting very, very close to that theoretical five years, right? That Kevin Feige talked about. May I don't think it's going to happen in WandaVision, although it still could. Still could. But Doctor Strange 2, which is still like a couple years off, we'd be getting close. We'd be getting close. So you might, maybe, Mike, maybe. It's not a bad theory. All right, next up. Uh, McDavid deserves better rights. Uh, the 2005 NHL lockout was a necessary sacrifice to get a hard cap. Yes. As a result, ESPN severed ties with the world's best sport. 16 years later, they rekindled a partnership. How critical is ESPN visibility to hockey's place in the U.S. consciousness? It's extremely important. It's extremely important. And I'll tell you what else. It's really frustrating for me as a fan because unless I have the NHL package, which I don't because I just never know what's going to be happening with the league right now, um, it's very difficult. Like I've only like once or twice this year been able to watch Leaf games. Uh, and, and when I have been able to watch Leaf games is because it's been on ESPN. So, yes, I think for hockey to continue to grow in the U.S., uh, it being available on ESPN is an absolute must. Like NBC tried, but NBC just didn't know how to properly market the game. And it, it was always just an afterthought on NBC. I think it's very, very important for the growth of the NHL. That That's my take on it, at least at any rate, McDavid. All right. Next up. Uh, Willow writes, you recently said that you don't like films that are agenda driven out of curiosity. Do you like Michael Moore movies bowling for? Well, these are documentaries. Um, do you like Michael Moore movies bowling for Columbine, Roger and me, Fahrenheit, nine, one, et cetera. Do you view documentaries differently? I completely view documentaries differently. And the reason I view documentaries differently is because every documentary is a story, a real life story told from a certain perspective. Right. 
every document, I don't care. I don't care who tries to tell you, no, this documentary was completely objective. No, no, no. I don't care whoever tells you what. Every documentary is a real life story that is told from a certain perspective, right? That doesn't mean the perspective's bad. It doesn't mean the perspective is necessarily completely biased, but every documentary is told from a certain perspective. And for that, yes, I do look at documentaries completely differently than I look at narrative storytelling, like narrative storytelling movies, right? Scripted movies. I look at them very, very different. Now, you may agree or disagree with, with my take on that, but you did ask me what is my take. So, yes, it's it's a good question, Willow. But, yes, uh, just like you said, I look at documentaries. I approach those differently because every documentary is made, even my own documentary. Movie trailers, a love story, ladies and gentlemen, available on Amazon if you live in the U.S. and the U.K. and worldwide on Vimeo. But even my own documentary is told from a certain perspective, right? Like documentaries aren't meant to be news reports. They're stories. Documentaries are still stories and they're told from a certain point of view. And uh, that's why I do look at those as it, for, on a different level. I look wh whichever part of the spectrum they fall on, they're told from a different perspective, and that's why I look at them differently. Anyway, great question, Willow. Next up, Andy Hong writes one of two. Just learned this from Michael Rosenbaum's podcast. He's got a pretty good podcast, by the way. He's he's pretty good at that. The guy who used to play Lex Luthor on Smallville, he's got a pod podcast called Inside of You, I think it's called. I think that's what it's called. At any rate, it's a very pr provocative double entendre kind of meaning of a podcast title. But um, he's, a, he's, a, he's not Joe Rogan, but he's a very good podcast host. He's very good. I've watched some of his stuff on YouTube that, that is pretty interesting. Anyway, I just learned this from Michael Rosenbaum's podcast from six months ago. Guess who else got put uh, on the suit and screen tested with Henry Cavill and Brandon Routh for Superman and Superman Flyby? Jared Padalecki. Uh, it's even more bizarre because Jensen Ackles was the runner-up behind Tom Welling to get the role of Clark Kent in Smallville, and they later put Jensen Ackles in Smallville, but not as Clark Kent. To think that these two guys could have played Kal-El and their careers could have been so different compared to now, they're not Superman, but it is supernatural. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I mean, that that's pretty cool. I mean, the thing about Rosenbaum's podcast, too, is, like, much of his podcast is kind of a, a stroll down memory lane for Smallville because he's had like all the Smallville cast on. Plus his biggest episodes have been the one where he talks about the one girl who played Chloe uh, and the fact that she got involved in the big sex cult. Um, and so he's talked a lot about that and how she tried to get him involved in the sex cult and all this kind of stuff. But it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's really good. He's actually somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, but yeah, that is really interesting. When you always look back at who almost got what roles for different things, it's always kind of fun to speculate. But that is an interesting supernatural connection to the Superman thing. And now, of course, Jensen Ackles is going to get to play a superhero. He's playing Soldier Boy on The Boys Season 3. Cannot wait to see him in that. All right, next up. Um, uh, Valentin Vas Vasilev writes... John, you keep mentioning the government taking vision like it's a normal thing, but wasn't he in Wakanda? So doesn't that mean they took him from the Wakandan government? So I'm not sure we can call that normal. Well, here's my guess. This is my guess and only my guess. 
My guess is that probably the Avengers would not have just left him laying around in the middle of the forest, right? My guess is they probably took him. And then when they took him, the government took Vision from them. That's my guess. That's my guess. And remember, at that point, Wakanda would have been in chaos. Because not only did this huge battle just happen there at Wakanda, but they also lost their king. You remember, like T'Challa, at the end of that battle, he was snapped away. So I don't know if there was much else for the people of Wakanda to be focused on about, we need to keep that vision body because he's made of vibranium. So my guess is, and again, it's just a guess, just my theory. I think the Avengers took one of their own home and then the government probably took it from them at that point. That's my guess. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. All right. Uh, let's move on here. Next up, Jack R. writes, one of four. Hey, John, have you checked out the short form Marvel series Legends on Disney Plus? The first two episodes features Wanda and Vision and premiered just before the show. One, while I like the premise, I felt the execution was lacking. The episodes were under 10 minutes of clips from various MCU movies. I feel like if they were going to do it this way, why not start with Iron Man and Cap as they have uh, hours of MCU footage focusing on those characters. Well, the uh, answer to that is obvious. Um, anyway, three or four. WandaVision's episodes would be much better and worth rewatching if they came out after WandaVision. I just watched the new Disney Plus for March, and it said episodes three for six would be premiering this month. Obviously, Falcon and Winter Soldier have an episode each, but which character do you think the other two episodes will feature? Zemo and Sharon Carter would love to hear your thoughts. Well, I mean, look. The, the Disney Plus Legends series, it's really weird because all it's not a series. It's not even episodes of anything. It's literally just their fan edits. All the, the Legends episodes are, are edits of what this character has done in the MCU so far. And it's a very good edit because I watched the Wanda one and it's a very, very good edit. But let's be very clear why this Legends series exists. They're trailers. The reason they did Wanda and Vision first was to promote WandaVision. So you ask, why didn't they wait till after WandaVision? Because that would have defeated the purpose. They made those specifically to hype up WandaVision. That's why they made them. To catch people up to speed a little bit on who the characters are, but also to promote WandaVision. That's why the next ones are going to be Falcon and Winter Soldier. And my guess is, and it's just a guess, I have no insider information. My guess is that if there's going to be a third one, it's probably going to be Black Widow because we got the Black Widow movie coming. I, again, that's I'm just guessing. Maybe it'll be Sharon Carter. Maybe it'll be Zemo. Maybe it'll be whatever. Maybe it'll be another person in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Again, following, but they're doing these things as a way to manipulate you and me into watching their material. That's what advertisements are. So why did why did they start with it? Why didn't they start with Cap and Iron Man? Because there's nothing with Cap and Iron Man to promote right now. Why didn't they wait to do Wanda and Vision? Because they do have something to promote with Wanda and Vision right now. So that's why they're doing it. Listen, I'll be honest with you. Even though I thought that edit was really nice, I was very disappointed. I expected when I watched when I was first tuning in to watch this Legends thing, I expected like a 20 minute 
mini little documentary on maybe some interviews with some people that wrote the wrote the Wanda character and you know here's how Wanda was kind of portrayed in the comics versus how we've portrayed her in the movies i was expecting something a little bit more substantial and again i like the edit the edit's a nice little fan edit but it's not worth watching it's not worth my time because then when i loaded it up on disney plus and i saw it's like 7 minutes 7 minutes what is it? So it's not, they, they play it off like it's a series. We have the Marvel Legends series. Well, then if you're going to call it that, I expect there to be a little bit more, not some quick little recap. Here's, here's who Wanda is and what Wanda's done so far. That's not a series. But anyway, they, they found a very creative way to dress up commercials because that's what these are. These are commercials to dress up commercials and make it look like original content series. So anyway, there's just that. All right. Next up. Um, that was uh, anyway. I understand why you asked, though, Jack. I totally do. All right. Hot Rod Todd writes. If Wanda is if Wanda is the embodiment of the Scarlet Witch. What does that make Pietro? He also survives exposure to the Mind Stone, gets powers, etc. How is she a witch and her twin bro isn't? Also something exceptional by either genetics or destiny thoughts. I don't know. I mean, it could be that literally what happened to Pietro is exactly what Hydra was trying to make happen. They were trying to use that stone to create metahumans. And it could very well just be that Wanda was already a witch. And then it could just be that Pietro, it the experiment just worked on him. I don't know. I don't know. Now, the one theory that I don't subscribe to, but the one theory is that Wanda wasn't actually a witch. Wanda was a mutant. And so was Pietro. And that's why the thing worked on them. Again, I think Kevin Feige has laid it out that, that Wanda and Pietro are not mutants. But that is one of the theories out there, and that's one of the ways they could go. Or it could simply be Wanda was a witch, and that's why she survived, and Pietro, it just happens that, that he's the one the experiment worked on. But I don't have any answers. I were, Hopefully, we'll get more answers in 60 hours. 60 hours, hopefully, we will get more answers. Okay, uh, next up. Uh, that was hot rod Todd. Next up is, uh, draconic druid writes three movies. I love that. Apparently a lot of people hate pirates of the Caribbean two and three. Yeah. I don't like those. <laughs> I love the first one. But I didn't like the other ones. I think makes a good trilogy. Not great. And karate kid 2010, which I know should be called Kung Fu kid. I actually like Jaden Smith and Jackie and uh, Davy Jones's story. Guess what? I like that karate kid too. That Jackie Chan, Jaden Smith one, I like it. I like it a lot. I'm going to say something real unpopular. I prefer it to the original Karate Kid. <gasps> You're not allowed to say that. I, I said it. I, I actually think that Jackie Chan, Jaden Smith one, and I know that's a totally unpopular thing to say. I actually really, I thought it was quite good. I thought it was really quite good. So... I mean, obviously different, but I mean, it's, it didn't carry the extreme cheesiness that like the original Karate Kid does. And I'm not saying I dislike the original Karate Kid, not at all, but uh, I just think they did 
a very, very underappreciated job making that follow-up film. I, I thought they now I know a lot of people didn't like it because it was really quite different from the original Karate Kid, and I get that. But I thought it was very well, a very well put together movie. That's just me. That's just me. All right, next up. Uh, the Canadian singing postie writes, one of two. John, hope you had a great birthday. I did have a great birthday. Thank you so much. Uh, and saw that song I tagged you on. I did, as a matter of fact. Uh, Wanda Time, you mentioned that you couldn't understand how Hayward put Vision back together so quickly. Uh, did he not say we've taken it apart and put it back together a million times? And that, and that it was the power source being the issue. I uh, think it was implied that after five years of taking it apart and putting it back together wasn't the issue, but the power source, which they now got. Putting it back together in a few days wasn't a problem. You know, a, a number of other people have brought that up. A number of other people have brought that up, and, and that's that's true. But to me, it's also hard to suspend disbelief, saying, hey, wait a minute, that drone is glowing red. Let's First of all, they don't know the single thing about hex magic right? They've never looked at it. It would take them years of study of hex magic to even figure out how to take this hex magic and transfer it into a mechanical thing to be its power source. But they said, uh, let's tie a string to the drone and the other end of the string to vision and see if that powers them up magically. I, I mean, even that's ridiculous. But again, I understand as a lot of people have yelled at me, John, in these TV shows and movies, you got to suspend disbelief sometimes. And I get it. So I'm over it. I'm over it. But no, no, no. What you're bringing up is totally legitimate as well. That's totally legit. And I think you raise a very good point. Um, but yeah, to me, it's still utterly ridiculous. Really? That the glowing red magic and you figured out in 48 hours how to turn that into transferable power that you can flow into this thing and it magically brings this thing to life. All right, whatever. I concede suspension of disbelief, suspension of disbelief. I concede. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Canadian singing. Well pointed out. All right. Suthius writes, as I was cooking in the afternoon, all I all of a sudden hear my headphones, poor fucking Adam Aaron. I immediately dropped what I was doing. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? I said to myself, boy, when you're passionate about a topic, it shows. I don't know. It, it just really pissed me off. It, it, part of the reason why it pissed me off is because I have such love for AMC theaters. Again, I, I the big part of my career comes from the fact, I mean, I had already started my career and I was already building my career before AMC theaters, but joining AMC, creating AMC movie talk, creating AMC movie news, uh, that was a big part of the development of my career. And I grew to love AMC theaters, except again for the clueless jackals, uh, and inhuman monstrosities that work in their HR department. They're a bunch of incompetent asses. But aside from their HR department, uh, which are the, the embodiment of evil, in my opinion, um, I, I really do have a lot of love for that company. And when you love, like when you see somebody doing something stupid, you don't care. When you see somebody you love doing something that is destructive, you get upset. And I think part of the thing that gets me so upset is that I love AMC so much. They're my favorite movie theater chain. I have history with that company and seeing them doing something that stupid. Um, yeah, it's upsetting, especially, you know, in the midst of a pandemic when the entire industry is teetering on oblivion and 30,000 people have been furloughed being that stupid, being that tone deaf 
being that clueless, being that incompetent is upsetting, particularly when it's being done by a company that you really love a lot. And and it really upsets me. Maybe it shouldn't. First world problems, pshaw, I know. But yeah, whatever, it gets under my skin. All right, uh, uh, Koa1708 writes, uh, John, since you're Canadian, do you like the dish poutine? I love poutine. Can't find good poutine in the United States. I simply haven't been able to find good poutine in the United States. But uh, yeah, it's like the most unhealthy thing in the world. French fries smothered in gravy with curd cheese. I mean, you can't, it's basically heart attack on a plate is what poutine is, but it's so delicious. It is so delicious. And I I cannot find uh, good poutine in the U S I can't find it. All right. Next up, Luke, one, two, three, four writes, do you think that we may see studios no longer offer rental purchasing or ever licensing out their content to other streaming platforms? That the only way to watch anything is that you have to subscribe to their own streaming service. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where this is all going. That's exactly where it's all going. It's not going to go there in the next year or in the next maybe even two years, but that's exactly where this is going. That if you want to watch sopranos the return you have to watch it on hbo max if you want to watch you know avengers 9 then you know once it's done in theaters if theaters you know if amc hasn't run the theater industry into the ground by then um but after it's done in theaters if you want to watch it at home you have to have disney plus you want to watch the new star trek movie at home after it's done its theatrical run then you got to have Paramount Plus. The whole reason they invest and make these shows is to get you to sign up to their subscription service. Having it available elsewhere is counter to their entire goal. So there's going to be a weaning period. There's going to be a period of time, whether it's a year, two years, three years, whatever, where they're still going to use the old model of you know DVDs and you can rent it on Google Play. And there's still going to be a, a while of that model as well. But they're going to start weaning us off that model and going, if you want to watch this Warner Brothers thing, you got to watch it on HBO Max. I do believe that's coming, Luke, one, two, three, four. We'll see, though. We'll see. All right, next up. Uh, Nicholas Piera writes, how does it work at Warner Brothers? Whenever it comes to DC, they do a competition to see who will be the one who comes up with the most controversial idea. The winner leaks the idea to the media and they all watch the fan base tear apart, tear apart. They ritualized, they ritualized this shit. I mean, look, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I honestly, there are times that I actually just feel bad for Warner brothers. Cause like I know some people at Warner brothers and there are times I just feel bad for Warner brothers. Cause sometimes some of the shit is no fault of their own. Like Amber Heard and Johnny Depp causing their controversy drags Warner Brothers into the controversy with them. Now, if you don't fire Johnny Depp, a bunch of people are going to be mad at you. If you do fire Johnny Depp, a bunch of people are going to be mad at you. If you do fire Amber Heard, a bunch of people are going to be pissed at you. If you don't fire Amber Heard, a bunch of people are going to be pissed at you. And this, so this basically it, Warner Brothers, through no fault of their own, was put in a position where automatically by default, somebody some big group of people is going to be totally mad at them for nothing that they did. If they don't fire Johnny, people are going to be pissed. If they do fire Johnny, people are going to be pissed. 
If they do fire Amber or if they don't fire Amber, people are going to be pissed. If they ignore it, people are going to be pissed. If they get involved, people are going to be pissed. Warner Brothers didn't ask for this. Warner Brothers didn't ask for this. It's because two apparently drug-infused addicts who don't know how to handle their own shit and handle their own lives makes their drama public and it because they work with Warner Brothers it drags Warner Brothers into the into the conversation into the controversy where they either got to ignore it do something do nothing but no matter what they do there's going to be a group of people that's going to be pissed at them and call for their boycott and everything through no fault of their own this is why companies like Disney Warner Brothers and whatever are like you got to understand if you're going to work with us what you do affects us it's not the way it should be, but the way it's the way it is. So please conduct yourself in a certain way while you're working with us because what you do reflects on us. And uh, it's just a it's it's a difficult it's a difficult situation. Again, some of the drama is their own. Some of it is stuff they don't even ask for. But it it does seem like it's it's not easy being in a big uh, it's not easy being a big movie studio apparently. All right, Kem Kelton, uh, one of our Patreon supporters. Thank you for being a Patreon supporter. Kem writes in. Hello, I've been watching since before AMC, probably back in the uh, four-year consideration days. I appreciate your insights. Thank you, man. I have thoughts regarding your Superman and Lois review. Oliver Queen's Spectre reset the multiverse. The Superman is from Earth-38. He has no awareness of the crisis that took place. I mean, maybe, maybe. I mean, what whatever their rationale is about why that episode one of Superman and Lois made zero references or zero acknowledgement that anything else in the Arrowverse existed. I don't care what their reason is. It's a good move. It's a good move because it separates the jobber loser Superman that they made in the Supergirl show from what this Superman is, hopefully from what this Superman is. So you may be right, Kim, you may be right, but at the end of the day, for me, I don't care what the reason is. I just think it's a good decision. I just personally think it's a good decision. Either way. All right, let's move on. Uh, Raymond 2000 writes, My birthday was also in February the 6th, to be exact. Congratulations, man. Happy birthday to you. I hope you had a great birthday month. Uh, on a companion video, you said, and gave you an Apple Watch. Yes, that's right. And I thought it was funny because I got the exact same thing. I left Samsung last year for an iPhone much better than Android. Oh, I completely disagree. And I got to be careful what I say here because Ann works for for uh, Apple now. But uh, still got to give my honest opinion. Uh, I, I used to use iPhones. No, thank you. Now, now, to be fair, to be fair, I haven't used the last couple of generations of iPhones. But all I know is this. Um, the Samsung... Uh, Note 20 Ultra is by far the best phone I've ever owned in my life. I mean, th this thing is ridiculously good. And, oh, I'm not wearing it right now, but my Samsung smartwatch is also fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Now, I am no anti-Apple person. My favorite computing device that I own, my, like, it's not more powerful than my desktop, no, but my favorite computing device that I own is my iPad Pro. I have an 11-inch iPad Pro, and it is my favorite device I own. I love it, I lo and I cannot wait. I'm just waiting for the next iPad to come out. Cannot wait. I love the iPads, and I have a MacBook Air. 
not the M1. I don't have the M1. Uh, I am very curious to try out the M1 chips, but I have a MacBook Air. I, I have my iPad. I love them. I am no anti-Apple person at all. But yeah, for me personally, when it comes to phones, Android is a far superior system. In my opinion, the Android is a far superior system. But again, that's coming from somebody that hasn't really played with the last couple of generations of iPhones. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll give the iPhone 12 a shot or the iPhone 13 and maybe I'll like it more. And then maybe Android will come out with a better phone and I'll like it more. And here's the important thing. I'm not a zealot. I'm not going to put on robes and swear fidelity and loyalty to Apple. And I'm not going to put on robes and swear fidelity and loyalty to Android. I am, I am agnostic when it comes to that. I, I will work with whatever works best. So right now, my desktop computer is a PC, not because I'm a PC zealot or Windows zealot. It's just that right now, this computer functions my needs better uh, than other things. But if, you know, a new M2 chip or an M1X or whatever they're talking about comes out in a new desktop and it works better for me, I'll switch to an Apple computer. No problem, because I don't care, because I don't have corporate loyalty. And so right now I am an Android guy because I just found Android meets my needs more and it's a superior product. If the next iPhone comes out and I think it's superior, I'll switch to it and I'll just keep going back and forth. No loyalty to a corporation. No loyalty to a corporation. All right, next up. I'm not crying. You're crying rights. Uh, Monica, no excuse to be a coward. Hayward, uh, excuse me. I stole from, lied to, framed, manipulated, tried to nuke, and reanimated the lover of a literal goddess of creation. Stupid? Absolutely. But don't even know, uh, but don't, uh, but I don't even know what coward means, really. Well, I mean, Hayward, I still contend Hayward's not a bad guy. Listen, we, me and Kimberly talked about this on the companion video the other day. When you look at what Hayward's done, Hayward hasn't done anything that Nick Fury hasn't done 10 times worse. Nick Fury has done pretty shady stuff for what he believed was for the greater good. Don't forget about that entire scene in Winter Soldier when he takes, when he finally shows Captain America the whole helicarrier program. And like, Captain America's like, all I see is an ability for you to to oppress people. And Nick Fury says, hey, you know, maybe, but this is what's got to be done. You know, there's nothing Hayward has done that is hasn't been done by Fury only 10 times worse. So I still don't believe Hayward's a bad guy. I think he's a dick. I think he's a jerk. But I, I think he's ultimately on the side of the good guys. And by the way, I think in the finale of WandaVision, I don't know this. I'm just guessing. I think in the finale of WandaVision, we're going to see Hayward realize that they can't control this white vision. And then him and sword are going to have to work alongside Wanda and the others to try to stop that white vision. Again, I, I'm just pulling that out of my ass. I don't know for sure, but that's what I'm kind of guessing. We'll see though. We'll see. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Tanu writes, have you been uploading all your shows to the podcast? The last two weeks, there's been the John Campus Show and Companion shows that don't show up. Unfortunately, I don't have time to watch YouTube videos. I'd love to keep up with everything. Thanks for all you do. There were a couple of episodes. I, I, I was experiencing a problem with a codec that was causing problems for me getting... If I took more time, I could have got them done right, but I frankly have not had the time. 
And what has happened was I had a couple of episodes last week that, including yesterday, that I just was not able to get the uh, the audio-only version done properly in a quick time. But I believe we have that issue now fixed. I was able to get up yesterday's companion video up on the podcast feed. But you're right. In the last week or so, there were a couple of episodes that weren't able to go up. And I do apologize for that. But uh, I believe, I'm hoping we have that uh, problem corrected and fixed. And hopefully you'll be seeing those things go up uh, on a regular basis uh, now moving forward. All right, guys, listen. Uh, for everybody from the Greek God, Spanky, uh, and others, we have now run out of time, but don't worry. I'm going to do a companion video a little bit later this afternoon. It won't be with the great Kimberly. She wasn't available today, but I will be doing a companion video a little bit later this afternoon, and we will get completely caught up on all the outstanding questions. We've already gone over three hours today, so we got to wrap it up here. I've got things I've got to get to here, but anyway, guys. That will do it for me for this installment of the John Campion Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Thanks again to Robert Meyer Burnett for being here for part of that. And a special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because he gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, because you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved here at the John Campion Show, thank you guys very, very much for your support. Once again, don't forget, we're going to be doing a companion video later. We're going to get completely caught up on all the outstanding questions. And of course, the John Campus Show returns again tomorrow. We hope that we see you guys there. That will do it for me for now, guys. Remember, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and take care of the people around you. So until next time, my friends, bye-bye.